to Monday. Monday was one of those days. Just took a long time to get through Monday. Although it was a good show. I gotta tell you, it was a great show with uh, Elizabeth and with Robert. And uh, we learned a lot of stuff yesterday. We got good stuff coming up the rest of the week and today's show will be exceptional as well. So I, I hear Robert is helping Chris Corbett. Yeah. File oh yeah, lawsuit. we talked about that. I didn't, we, I didn't we're all over it. The, um, about being able to carry in the courtroom well you should be because he's a officer of the court correct and i think that will be changed pretty quickly i don't think there's going to be uh you know a big uh big hoss you know big uh, hassle about that at all so just see how long it takes them to finally capitulate and do what they're supposed to so uh Ken Yang going to give us a call during this hour. He's going to talk about uh, the Family Council has released their voters' guide ahead of the 2020 primaries, and we'll have him give us a call. And I'm telling you right now, call now. Probably. So we can talk to him about it. You know, there's, a, it, there's something that people need to keep in mind because uh, because it's a presidential election year, this year the primaries are in March instead of typically in May. And there's a lot of the uh, primaries which will determine who's going to win those particular because, seats because there's nobody in the Democrat in the Party general, that's yeah. challenging. So got to keep that in mind. There's one going on, I think, and I don't know if there, is there any de- Democrats mm-hmm. running or not, but I do know that uh, it was a District 28, if I'm not mistaken, down there in Benton, uh, that that's, um, I'm trying to think real quickly here. That's Furman running against McClure. McClure is the woman who owns the fitness center down in Benton. Furman. Uh, that right. I I'm think sorry. I've had Furman on my show before talking about the ranch out there that takes care of kids. Okay. And I think I've had him on before trying to set it up for him again. We'll try to get her on as well. Cause I got a lot of questions. There's a lot of questions about her. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, she she worked for uh, Pryor in his office when he was a senator. Now, mm. I will admit that there was a time. I know it's hard for some people to remember this, but there was a time when almost every uh, one of our seats in our congressional people belonged to Democrats. Not it's not wasn't like it was now. It was just basically the opposite. The only place that we held was up in uh, uh, was a three or four four yeah up in four up in western Arkansas that we held we held on there. I mean uh, we were able to keep that. But senators, we had two Democrats who were senators. You had you know our wonderful. Uh, who was it, uh, Pryor, and then you had, on the other side, Blanche Lincoln. You know, conservative Blanche Lincoln. Remember conservative mm-hmm. Blanche She couldn't decide Lincoln. if she was for Obamacare or not. Yeah, she, she couldn't, would, she she couldn't could figure out anything. Her, her big claim to fame on my show was trying to tell me that uh, 
their that if the government was running healthcare, it was still capitalism. Right, they just decide who the capitalists <laughs> that's were. E- that's exactly right. She <laughs> said that's that on my show, right man. Now, just about. Oh. She just said that, that on my show. I could not. Be- I couldn't well, believe she was it. Confused. That's, not, that's not much better than some Republicans. That, that what's what's really there. what's really crazy is what she says when she would vote on farm legislation, and she was a farmer. Her family owned thousands of acres. And I kept saying, don't you think that you should, you know, just recuse yourself from voting? Oh, no. She better in her own bread a little bit there. That's about the people that are Medicaid contractors or Medicaid providers that are in the House and Senate. You know, King tried to get the bill passed that if you were voting on a bill that had to do with something that was in the business that you were in, that you had to acknowledge that you were in that business. And, uh, that didn't get anywhere. No, did it? it did not, because then people like I'm trying to think who was the who was the pharmacist down in was it oh. Ar- the Arkadelphia area that he he was the one who pushed so hard to make sure that you couldn't buy which uh, what pill was it that had the stuff that uh, people oh, were like yeah Sudafed in it. And they want you to be able to buy it over the counter or anything. You had to go get a prescription from your doctor. Malone, was that his name? Was it Malone that was the senator? Mm-hmm. He pushed it. Just so happened, he happened to be a pharmacist. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah, a well, you big have to surprise. go buy it from me. Don't buy it at Walmart. Yeah, you come couldn't. Down to, yeah, come down and they pay made, twice well, you as couldn't. much from, buy from Walmart. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you could buy from Walmart over the counter. You couldn't. But you had to go get a prescription first. And then go to the pharmacy. Talking about buttering your own toast was unbelievable. There's a lot of that going on, especially for the attorneys. Yeah, you got to watch it. I mean, you really, really do. Uh, Yesterday, the governor was asked about his son, the lawyer, going on these trips. And he says, I don't speak for my son, his law firm. Thought that was interesting, but you take him along with you when you go overseas. Who's What's son? the difference between Hunter Biden and the, his son? There is no difference at all. I mean, I mean just asking. if you look at the list of people that have gotten money from the from the governor's fund where he can promote business to come to the state of Arkansas for economic development, if you look at the list of people that have gotten state taxpayers' money and you look at the list of people that his son represents, you find that there is a lot of overlap between the people that his son represents and the people that are getting taxpayer incentives to do business in the state of Arkansas. And it just so happens that they save money and fly on the same plane to China and talk to the same people at the same time. I mean, maybe he buys his own ticket, but is there a conflict of interest there? Yeah, I think well, so. Even if you're buying your own ticket, if you're if you're gaining extra access, what is that? Well, I tell you what, I guess I can't afford to hire the right attorney to get taxpayers' incentives, and maybe I need to move to China before I could get some of them. All right, Ken Yang joins us on the phone. Hello, Ken. How you doing? Good to have you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Tell us about the uh, Family Council's Voter's Guide. came out today. Yes, it just it literally came out about an hour ago. Uh, before I mention something, I want to tell you, personally, the Sudafed thing, the dumbest thing ever, then I got to go get a script from my doctor to go get a pack of Sudafed. Well, that was courtesy of Senator Percy Malone. <laughs> I know. And, uh, and it's not, I, 
I don't think you can make anything with just a pack of Sudafed, but I, I don't. I wouldn't know. So who knows? I have no. I have no idea. I remember when. I remember when they were talking about it from the Senate floor, and he he said that uh, people who were cooking up uh, meth and using uh, what was it? What was the what was the big one selling at the time? It was something D, Corseidin D or something like Claritin that. Claritin D. What? Claritin. Claritin D. Claritin D. And uh, he he said, you know, children get burned at times when that's happening. There was one story about a child being burned at a meth lab, and I thought to myself, they're going to change the law Over one because case. of one person. Unbelievable. They do that all the yeah. time. And Ken, yeah, Ken there's true. one thing for well, sure. Our freedom is under attack in many different areas. Yeah, well, you're right. And uh, I think a good good gauge is not the you know all and be all this is the 30th year family council has put out the arkansas voters guide 30 years uh, wow yes uh, the last this is a presidential year so the last presidential year we distributed or mailed over two hundred and fifty thousand voters guys around the state so i tell candidates it's the freest form of of advertising your name and where you stand and so we ask questions on abortion guns marijuana taxes hate crimes conscience and education this year it doesn't mean that family council has a position on each of them many of them we don't have a position on which is why it's a 501c3 compatible uh, a guy which is why churches order hundreds if not thousands of them depending on how big the church is and so it's a good way to see in all these primary uh, um, races where people stand on those issues we had uh, over well, we had exactly 88 percent response rate for this voters guys this year wow, so wow. almost everyone filled it out that's amazing good did everybody with a d in front of their name fill it out oh no every <laughs> we actually had quite a few d's fill it fill, fill it out uh which which we're glad they uh they did uh, but all the republicans filled it out and a good good handful of the democrats filled it out yeah that's cool that's very very cool so how do people go about getting these so that they can have it for their church, or they can just have a personal copy of it. Yeah. So if you're on our mailing list, uh, you'll get one in the mail here soon enough. If you want it sooner, you can call us at 501-375-7000 and ask to order some. Or you can actually go online at Arkansas Voters Guide, and that's Arkansas spelled out, votersguide.com. You can look at the guide online, but you can also place an order there for physical uh, copies there, too. And they're free of charge, and we'll mail them uh, when we get your order. Well, that makes sense. You know, I think every church, to be honest with you, should have these voter guides in their vestibules or up in their, you know, where they enter in so that people can get a copy of it and see where people stand on a whole lot of social issues. Yeah. Yeah, well, a lot of the, the churches do. Actually, Jerry and I were looking through our old archives before <laughs> I was ever at Family Council, and he was looking at, you know, the stuff before the Internet existed. And they, the organization actually mailed out over 800,000 voters, guys, at one point. Wow. Uh, back in the 90s. And so, it, you know, it's, kind of, it's really the go-to guy for most of the issues. Especially, we tried to survey on issues that are, you know, current uh, current topics, current policy points that are being talked about or maybe talked about next session. And so it's a good gauge on where people stand. And you know, like I said, red flag laws, 
the the tax amendment, the marijuana amendment, so on and so forth. All right. So do they? Do you all sit down and meet together and say, well, what are the questions that we should ask this year? Yes, we do that uh, every year. You know, quite a you know a couple months before we start putting it together, and uh, we kind of we I mean we have. 30, 40 plus topics and questions that we go over and we ask certain folks what they think and uh, we just kind of narrow it down from there. Hey, Ken, uh, could you share with us as Family Council have a position on the hate crime initiative that will probably be coming up in the future? And the second question, have you put out any educational material on that? Yes, um, we, uh, and I think Jimmy might have been on the show not too long ago, but we are, the organization has always been opposed to hate crimes legislation in the 90s and early 2000s when it came up, when Joyce Elliott was the one that brought it up. And we've been opposed to it since then, and we're opposed to it now. Uh, It's a slippery slope. It's it's thought policing. Uh, The idea of uh, writing sexual orientation or gender identity into the code is a slippery, slippery slope because it's nowhere in the code currently. And so, you know, you look at the case in Iowa where the guy burned a rainbow LGBT flag and got 16 years in prison because he was charged under hate crimes. Wow. And so we did send out some educational material late last year to our mailing list. We've encouraged our people to uh, continuing to remind and call their legislators to be opposed to it. And we continue to p- tell people to talk to the ones that say they support it because most of the time they just don't understand it. And when you explain it to them as thought policing and the many things that can go wrong, they usually come around because all the places that are being mentioned with all these shootings or uh, atrocities happening all have hate crimes laws and it didn't prevent any of those shootings. But it so, makes people feel good, Ken. They, they feel good. They feel better. Well, I think there's an overall agenda, Paul, that is bigger than the actual issue itself. There's an overall yeah. agenda that this is working toward, and uh, yeah. and people need to well, be educated people, about it, of what, if, what they're working if you've toward. Read the, if, if you have read the book 1984, hate crimes legislation should make you fearful and far away from feeling good. Yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, As you said that we had Jerry on here, oh, I guess it was about three weeks ago, and he and I were sitting and talking about this, and it is a huge slippery slope to go down, and and one that you can get on and find yourself where you don't want to be quickly. Yes. Real quickly. Okay. So real quickly for my listeners, tell them how to go about getting their copy or copies for their church. Yes, you can uh, go online at ArkansasVotersGuide.com. That's Arkansas spelled out, Voters, V-O-T-E-R-S, Guide.com, and you can order uh, them there. You can order as many as you want for free. You can view the guide online, too, or you can call us at 501-375-7000 and just say, hey, I'm calling to order some voters' guides. All right, 30th year that it's been published, it's one of the – releases that people really look forward to because you really can kind of get a a feeling for where people uh are are standing do you do you have very many judges people who are running in the in the judges field that answered the survey actually the only judicial races we ever uh survey 
uh, is the Arkansas Supreme Court race. So the uh, Arkansas Supreme Court race uh, is uh, in the guide. Uh, just a quick, maybe a quick preview. The first question that we ask the Supreme people running for Supreme Court is uh, which one of the following U.S. Supreme Court justices most reflect your judicial philosophy? Good and we question. List the current, we list the current Supreme Court justices, and I think that gives the people the the people a good idea of where that judge or candidate stands. Did any Did any of the people that you ask answer Ginsburg? No. Okay. Okay. Well, I. We, <laughs> I'm just saying, if they said Ginsburg, you probably wouldn't get my vote. <laughs> no, <laughs> they probably wouldn't fill it out if they were. If that was going to be the yeah, answer, I would they think probably so. wouldn't fill it out. I think you're exactly right. <laughs> All right, Ken, we'll let you go, brother. I'll talk to you a little later about uh, Furman and and getting him on the air, and we'll make sure that that happens as well. All right, I got to right. go. Sounds Thanks, good. Ken. Appreciate okay. you. Talk to you later. Mm-hmm. That's Ken Yang from the uh, Family Council talking about the Voters Guide. That has been released as of today, just one hour ago, and we're all over it for you. <laughs> that is not fake news. When not you get that from Family though. Council, that is actually the the actual vote of the senators and the legislators. Yep. So that is not fake news. That and, is facts. And what they're th- and what they believe in, because they're asked a lot of questions in this. All right, got to get a break in. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Paul and uh, RD are here. Jan is on her way. On uh, today's uh, power panel, we'll be back. we got a lot more to talk about. Well, it looks like uh, Pelosi is going to send over the articles of impeachment tomorrow. We'll talk about that next right here at 1011 FM, The Answer, the home of Rush Limbaugh. All right, something that we will talk about a little later on in the program. Now, I promise we're going to talk about impeachment. Okay, that's coming up. But we're, we're close to news. And I don't want to get started and not be able to, uh, you know, finish up what I'm going to say. Uh, the woman jailed since being accused last summer of killing uh, former state senator Linda Collins is facing new charges in an unrelated case. Rebecca O'Donnell, 49, now faces two counts each of solic- uh, solicitation to commit capital murder and solicitation, a felony to commit tampering with physical evidence, according to a probable cause document filed in Jackson County. The documents reveal that O'Donnell spoke with two fellow inmates in the Jackson County Jail about killing her former husband and making it look like a suicide. Investigators say O'Donnell also wanted the man's wife uh, to be killed. O'Donnell allegedly also wanted them to find her impounded vehicle at the Randolph County Jail and blow it up to destroy any evidence that may be in the vehicle. The court papers say O'Donnell told the inmates that they would be paid in gold and silver, she said, they would find inside the home of her former husband. Unbelievable. Wow. Unbelievable. That, that, that story just gets weirder and weirder the longer we wait for things to happen, and that that things really haven't happened in this case. Every it's time kind of like the they start getting court, Yeah, and it's like people don't want to be involved with it. It's like, I, nah, the third judge. take me off as judge. No, take me off as prosecutor. I'm recusing myself. Are these, are these people afraid of committing suicide? I don't know. It's kind of interesting what's going on. But we'll talk more about it. I know Jan wanted to talk about that today as well. All right, news is next, and we're back with more. 1011 FM, The Answer, home of Rush Limbaugh. Hey, don't uh, 
Don't go anywhere during the show today because I'm going to have some tickets to give away to South Haven, Mississippi, which is only a couple hours away, to see the Jukebox Heroes Tour. Foreigner, all right, Foreigner, Kansas, all right, and Europe. All right. Together. We're the right age for One that. concert, yeah. <laughs> if you're a boomer, if you're a boomer, you remember it. In fact, if if you're just a little beyond a boomer. Right. I'm a son remember. of a boomer. Yeah, there you I go. Was a, the Foreigner 4 came out, I think, in 83, which was one of their biggest albums. Oh, they were fantastic. And their first albums, I think, was their biggest albums were around 77, But as I was saying, I want to know if Lou Graham's going to be singing with Yeah, them. definitely. You know? Yeah. He was, he's he like, got a great, he's a great vocalist. It'd be like Journey without Perry, you know. It may be okay, but it, without Steve Perry, well, that it's guy, just not the that same. guy they got from the Philippines, sounds exactly like Steve Perry. Well, I saw him live. Just close your eyes, huh. and it sounds like him. So you yeah. can pretend like it was like when you saw. So you saw Foreigner, huh? Oh yeah, well I saw Foreigner in about eighty two when they came out with a Foreigner four album. My wife and I went Hot out. Blooded, yeah. So uh, excellent concert. You gotta excellent like him. Concert. Anyway, we'll play some music here later on in the show. And if you can identify the song and the artist, you could win two tickets to go see Foreigner and Kansas and Europe all in concert. And of course, Kansas comes in a point of no return and uh, dust in the wind make you completely, totally lay back and want to kill yourself i mean i'm just saying you know yeah that was one of those songs i never understood why it was a popular song yeah it it make you depressed just listening to that song you know carrie livgren's talked about that he the organist for kansas i don't know if he's still with them or songs not. also yeah they did oh yeah they they were good yeah they yeah. were great in concert i think they were signed by Kirshner Records back in like '78, and they sold. Right? They sold. I well, Dust and Wind has been declared platinum four times over. It's just a single. I can only imagine what the album itself is. But I mean, they sold millions and millions and millions of records. Oh, okay. Let's talk about impeachment. Got to talk about that a little bit. Uh, let me play you some sound here that we we've got today. Who was it? Uh, they were talking about. Um, get, I got some stuff about Bernie Sanders. I want to play today too. One of his aides started talking about re-education camps. I got <laughs> to play that oh, for you. Yeah. Outrageously crazy. Uh, let's see what we got. Just kind of looking here. Maybe I don't have stuff to play. Maybe I decided not to play it because it just got just old. I got Ted Cruz. Let's play Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz said that uh, here's what's going to happen about impeachment, because everybody's saying uh, they're going to just dismiss it. Well, they're going to have a trial. It's going to happen. And Ted Cruz says, here's what is going to happen with that trial. Cut three. And so the end of this process will be an acquittal, and I think that's probably in about a couple of weeks. So so you're not answering the question yet on dismissal, um, and perhaps you do over time. Uh, Would you favor witnesses in a Senate trial as of today, yes or no? All right. Well, Bill, let me make sure I've answered the question on dismissal. Mm -hmm. I think the outcome of this case will not be dismissal. 
it will be an acquittal. Those are different outcomes. Dismissal throws the case out, with, out without reaching a verdict. We're going to reach a verdict, and the verdict is going to be acquittal. The verdict is going to be not guilty because on the face of it, the articles of, of impeachment don't meet the constitutional standard. That is a much better outcome for the president to be acquitted of these charges than simply a dismissal. Okay, so, so I want to make sure I've answered that question. And I agree with what he's saying here. And then Bill from, uh, was it Hamill, I think is his name? I forget what his last name is from Fox. Is pressing him on witnesses, and, and Cruz continued, and here's what he had to say, cut number four. On witnesses, do you favor yeah. calling them, yes or no? You know, I think that's going to be, as I said, a hotly debated question within the Senate. Whether witnesses get called depends on whether there are 51 senators who want witnesses to, to be called. Um, my view is if we call witnesses, it needs to be fair. It needs to be even handed. It needs to respect due process. That means if the prosecution gets to call a witness, the defense should as well. If, if the prosecution gets to call John Bolton, then the president should be able to call Hunter Biden. It, it ought to be fair and even and respect due process. That, that's the way any fair proceeding should be conducted. The House didn't do that. The House didn't let the minority call witnesses. The House didn't let the White House cross-examine witnesses. Instead, that they had a partisan, one-sided show trial I think the Senate will do much better, but but whether they're going to be witnesses or not, I think it's going to be a close call in the Senate, and we'll have to see where the votes okay, are. Okay, two more minutes, two more questions. Some of your colleagues, Lisa Murkowski from Alaska, Susan Collins from Maine, Mitt Romney out of Utah, all Republicans. Conversely, Doug Jones, Alabama, um, Joe Manchin, West Virginia. Do you know where they are on this issue today? You know, I don't. And I think you've identified senators who could possibly vote against their party. Those are probably the five most likely to, 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 to be on the other side. We'll have to see how things how things play out and, and, and where they decide to vote. OK, you have said repeatedly and again a moment ago that you'll give the president a chance to defend himself. In what form or shape does that occur in the Senate? Well, the president has a legal team. It's, it's, it's led by, by the White House counsel, Pat Cipollone. And so Pat and his team of lawyers will be there on the floor of the Senate. They will be able to present opening arguments. They will be able to present evidence. They will be able to, to call witnesses if they choose. And, and it's one of the things, you know, there's all this discussion about witnesses. One of the important things to remember, it's not the Senate that chooses to call witnesses. It is the prosecution or the defense, typically, that says... You know, Pat Cipollone stands up and says uh, the president calls uh, Hunter Biden to the witness stand. Now, at that point, the Senate decides, will we allow you to do that? But it's it's the initial decision of, of the lawyers prosecuting and defending the case. And, and it'll be the White House defense team okay, uh, in, in consultation with that. the president uh, making those decisions. I'm out of time. OK, so. That, uh, I thought Cruz did a good job on answering the question. He's, he's prepared. And, and here's the key. I don't know why they need witnesses over on the Senate side. The Senate side is supposed to take the articles of impeachment and all the evidence presented by the House and try the president. There shouldn't be witnesses now. It's not gathering evidence any longer. That's all been done by the House, supposedly. Why do we have to have witnesses over on the Senate side? I, I don't, I don't I think get it. it. Well, I think generally, if I understand it correctly, what the House does is sort of like when a police officer writes you a ticket. They have some evidence. 
and the then the prosecutor takes that and decides whether or not they're actually going to press charges. Mm-hmm. Then you go to court and you have your trial, and that's when <coughs> that that's when witnesses come and formally accuse you or or state what they saw or what they what they um, observed, however, however it was. I think that's generally how a trial would work, and I don't know how that differs from what's going to go on in an impeachment trial because it's it's obviously more of a political. Um, right. I mean, the um, only reason I can see why the Senate will even conduct a trial is for those independents who say, well, I'm not sure, you know, mm-hmm. then and 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 if they and if they do a, a dismissal, then it gives politically it gives the Democrats the you know, the runner, the, the ability to, to throw up more smoke and more subterfuge and say, see, they don't want to have a trial because, you know, we had the goods on the president. So they're not going to talk about it. They're not going to try about it. They're just going to make it a political statement and dismiss it. Well, well they've got enough evidence uh, that he didn't do anything. Right. They've got enough evidence they didn't do it. What I expect them to do is take the evidence that Pelosi is going to send to them and say, this is what you've been charged of, and just refute what they've already done. If they start calling the witnesses up, they're going to open up another can of worms. This is going to drag out longer. I think the polls will show that this country is sick of Nancy Pelosi. They're sick of this whole political game on both sides, and they're ready for it to be over with. Okay, so let me ask both of you. Do you think this is what Mark Meadows was talking about, that the reason Nancy Pelosi is doing this the way that she's doing it is because the senators all have to be there while the trial is going on? Do you believe that she's doing this to take away the momentum from the Sanders and perhaps even the Warren campaign? And give Biden an unimpeded, Uh-oh. you know, open field yeah. to run down the field with the ball. So to sequester these, while everybody these, else doesn't have mm, the abo- the ability to get out and campaign. What do you think? That's an interesting thought. I hadn't really considered from that angle. But but if you know if they're if they, if um, Sanders and Warren are sequestered into the Senate while they're during the trials going while the trials going on. Right as these primaries are coming up, then maybe it would actually be a strategic thing. Yeah, they won't be able to get out and campaign. They'll be done campaigning until the trial is over. Well, uh, a person in her position is not supposed to pick favorites and favorite candidates. (laughs) She's supposed to look at what's best for the party. If it got out that that she was doing things to help a particular candidate or another in the position that she was in, it would definitely... If she has any credibility left after this, which she does with Democrats, Democrats believe in what she's trying to do. And the left does, at least. Yeah, yeah the, the leftist Democrats do. And so, uh, but anyway, that would be that would be cheating. That would be like cheating in a sports game to be favoring a particular candidate in the party that you that you hold a So we can say that in. Nancy Pelosi is the equivalent of the Houston Astros? Yeah. <laughs> it's, well, hey. I, I think if you take a poll Just in America, saying. I think if you take a poll in America, they say this is a political ploy of a desperate party to to, to try to win a race that that they're not favored in. But I th- I think it's going the wrong direction. But I expect the Republicans to take the information that they're given 
to give the president and his legal team the opportunity to refute the charges that they've been charged with. And after they hear their input from what's delivered to them, then the, then they will find him not guilty and move on. And I suspect that they will do this as quickly as possible. Yesterday, we played a piece of uh, audio from Nancy Pelosi saying that they may bring more <laughs> issues <laughs> against the president. They're going to do a double impeachment? That would be pretty... Uh, they do the could. Democrats run polls? They could. Do they run polls? No, now, it seems know. to be like, like six months ago that the Democrats that the president wasn't doing, you know, really, really well against some of the lead Democrat cam- candidates and some of their fake polls were saying that maybe he was even behind in a few places. But even, Not the, any fake, longer. even the fake polls now say that he's way ahead. I mean, <laughs> if, if she reads the polls, she's got to see where they're losing ground on this. Hey, uh, Zach, well, i got to take a break right now. While we're taking the break, can you go on YouTube and see if you can find a replay of the president coming out at the national championship game uh, last night in uh, New Orleans and let everybody hear how badly America hates uh, this president. We'll take a break. We'll talk more. It's the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. I just wanted you to hear all the booze last night at the uh, the Superdome down in New Orleans uh, before the national championship game as the president walked in and was on the field during the national anthem. Here, just take a listen. drums that you hear Mm. the flags were being presented okay so they were coming out with those and then as it went on then the chants broke out usa right usa Mm -hmm. usa president was all smiles and so was his wife Mm -hmm. the first lady was smiling as well it was it was quite uh it was a love fest that's what it was it wasn't what the majority of people were expecting. They didn't no. want to see. They didn't want to see that. <laughs> no, they didn't want to see all those Americans cheering this president for sure. And they were <laughs> cheer. It, it was pandemonium. It really was. It, it was. was. It was very cool. And and did you see like the people that were standing around them in the military? They were yes. like saying, "It's the president of the United States. That's the right. commander in chief." You know, they, they were all excited. That was pretty cool. It was a lot of fun. And then Vince Vaughn. Oh, he set Hollywood. They were just slobbering all over themselves because he actually uh, was talking to the president up and he was sitting up in his uh, booth. How dare he do that? At, yeah. yeah <laughs> How that, dare it's he ridiculous. Do that? How dare you talk to the president of the United States? How dare you talk to someone else? <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? It was so funny. I just I the left just makes me laugh. 
They do. They make me laugh. They're so scary. They're, they're so, they are so freaked out about everything that's not important. Yeah, and they call us the haters. Yeah. They yeah. call us the haters. The ones that don't have any kind of tolerance. Yeah, exactly right. You look at Christians. Christians has really been shooting up a bunch of people, starting riots, beating people up. You know, uh, uh, it's very, very obvious who the haters are. All right. Well, later on, we'll we'll go back and talk about Soleimani. We're going to talk about him, too. Uh, former Clinton security advisor said, thank God the president took him out. Mm. Wow. It's pretty yeah. good. I mean, good it's pretty deal. good. I mean, look, Obama's the one who designated him a terrorist. And now, because of, you know, this Trump disorder that they got in their heads— they can't even call a terrorist a terrorist anymore. They try to figure out how to call the president, you know, the terrorist. Did anybody come out when Obama killed bin Laden? You know, well, he was on watch while it happened. And he come in and he made a press release that we've taken out Osama bin Laden. Did anybody come out and say, oh, that's a terrible thing, and try, try to make something good for the country, make something bad out of yeah, it? I don't nobody, remember anybody, nobody doing that. It's the I same mean, thing when he had, he shot those pirates, yeah. those Somali pirates yes. on that ship uh, when the uh, uh, Delta Force people took them out. That was great. I, In fact, I remember exactly... I came on the air and said, I don't like his, this man's policies, but he did exactly the right thing he made the right by shooting those guys. At the right time. Yep. If you can't admit someone's success that you don't agree with when they do something right, you have a problem. Yeah, we You're had, not honest. had Joe Lieberman on yesterday, and uh, he was talking about the partisanship has become almost tribal. All right, like in out in Afghanistan, the tribes they can't get along with each other. That's why they can't put together a government that can rule that country. Well, did we did we try to impeach? You know, uh, oh, did we try to impeach every president that the Democrats ever get elected? You know, when they get one elected, do we say like the next day? You know, the next day. Let's say it while they're standing on the podium <laughs> taking the oath. And now the impeachment begins. Right. I mean, uh, Barack Obama wasn't my favorite president. And when he got elected, just the things that he stood for, not so much as a person, but his policies and the way he votes and his ideology of, of what not the mine. government should do is all opposite of what I would think. But, you know, he was elected president. And, uh, you know, like I said, we prayed for him to make good decisions yeah. so we can continue to, Absolutely. to get up and live a peaceful life every day. Yeah. All right. Willie wants to say a few things. Willie, how are you? Welcome to the Dave Ellswick Show. Fine, Dave. Dave, you ought to think I, re- I should retire from winning. You should retire from what? Winning the car and truck doctor show. Yeah, maybe you should. I mean, you you do a pretty good job of it. I haven't figured out. You got some kind of deal that you follow about about winning because you do you win often i think i can open my own auto parts store up there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you now, go right ahead competition you now. do have dave, <laughs> bumper and bumper 2.0 <laughs> dave if my memory serves me correctly next time you're down in benton i was supposed to take you out to eat 
Okay, well, I haven't been down there lately doing any remotes. When I when I do, you can take me out to eat. Actually, they only let him out of the nursing home long enough to do this show. So. That's true, yeah. He, he, he only gets out of the nursing and home I long refuse. enough to do the show. They, they don't let him out to run around. And let, let me tell you something. I refuse to eat their oatmeal. <laughs> I will not eat their oatmeal. <laughs> you know, if you just add a few raisins and some cinnamon and a little tad of honey, raisins make it, are hard, make it they're hard to chew. Yeah, when you don't don't have teeth, I understand. So now you just told everybody out there in Radio Land you're toothless. I've got teeth. I'm fine. I'm fine. I know. They can't see. I got teeth. I did see him wear an ankle bracelet the other day. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What can I tell you? All right. Jan has made her way into the studio. We mentioned the news story coming from Jackson County. We'll come back. We'll talk about that when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. It's 1011 FM, The Answer. It is the hope of the Rush Limbaugh program. For Zach, the Ellswick Show would not even be on the air. I know, he's amazing. And, and, and most people don't even know who he is, but yeah, he is amazing. He's the man behind the scenes. Behind the scenes. He's the wizard. The one that keeps not turning my microphone on fast enough. I guess I have to turn it on. Who's <laughs> that man behind That's the, right. <laughs> the cover? It's the wizard. Hey, we've got some breaking news today. We've got to get out. I heard you teased it earlier before uh, when i was in route here yes yeah i apologize for being you know sometimes i got i got a bunch of stuff going on but this is uh this is i'm actually looking at the probable cause affidavit now uh probable cause for for adding charges to rebecca o'donnell rebecca o'donnell is as you know or may not know is currently in jail on um charges that she murdered Senator Collins Linda Senator Senator Linda Collins Smith. Well, now additional charges have been filed against her, and I'm actually looking at the probable cause affidavit. I was trying to read it before I got on the air because this is there's a lot to it here. But in a nutshell, and then I can kind of back it up with some of the things that I've got in writing here in the affidavit. In a nutshell, allegedly she told 
fellow inmates. Now, remember, she's in her own cell, but she does supposedly have one cellmate now. Uh, but she supposedly tried to get Solicited. two or three other different Solicited. inmates yeah, to solicited them to murder Phil Smith, who was Linda Collins' ex-husband. Okay, because she said allegedly to the inmate that Phil Smith set her up in this murder case. So so she supposedly has tried to hire these three inmates to get the message out and to get this job done for her, not only to kill Phil Smith, but also to murder his wife, his current wife, Mm -hmm. uh, and to make it look like a suicide by hanging them. And then Rebecca O'Donnell allegedly and here's supposedly the physical evidence that the state police have they say they have the actual note that rebecca o'donnell allegedly passed to the cellmate through the little bars okay across the wall and they the cellmate produced those two notes to state police and it was the suicide note that's supposed to be supposed to be found at the scene of senator collins ex-husband's suicide now (laughs) There is also, according to state police, video of this transpiring, the passing the note. Yeah, the actual passing of two notes, what looks like passing two notes between Rebecca O'Donnell and this other inmate in the other cell. Now, whether or not the passing of those notes are actually the notes that that inmate produced later to police and said, this is what she passed to me. Who knows? But um, but there was more to it. Did you hear there, that he had, she asked them to destroy Yeah, her to destroy car. her car, to find her impounded car and blow it up to destroy the evidence and also to murder Boyce and some other people that have been involved in prosecuting this case. Well, you know, Boyce backed out. He, he said he didn't want to do this. He recused himself. <laughs> Like so many judges and other people have in this case. This, this is, is the most a bizarre. bizarre. I, I have I've never, never, seen, never anything seen anything like, like it. it. Yeah, and I've I, covered I really murder haven't. cases as a journalist. I, I covered court cases, capital yeah. murder cases all over the United States, and I, I've never seen anything like this before. Yeah, they're, now, pretty, they're pretty straight. I mean, they're not disconvoluted. Disconvoluted, right. Now, well, here's what I understand. If Rebecca O'Donnell is not even allowed to, to talk with her family. Oh, and there's one more. Speaking of family, interesting information that's in this affidavit. According to the affidavit... The inmate also made contact with Tim Loggins, who was Rebecca's significant other uh, when she was arrested, made contact with his daughter, Emily Loggins, and that she, Emily, was supposed to come to the jail and get the cell phone of this inmate and take that cell phone and access all the contacts in the cell phone to see if they could get somebody to do this dirty work for them. Now, police also say wow. they have video surveillance Crazy. of Emily Loggins showing up at the jail and getting this cell phone and the cell phone charger. I didn't know inmates were allowed to have cell phones in cells. I didn't know that either. I, that's that's new to me. At least uh, not in Arkansas. Now, already people on the Rebecca O'Donnell side are screaming, set up. This is a setup. But, but But here's the thing. And it very well could be. But if you're not saying the words and and now realize there are three different inmates who are saying that she and and one person she even said do you know some mexican people allegedly she said rebecca o'donnell said do you know some mexican people who would kill him speaking of phil smith 
Okay. So so all of that's in the affidavit and much, much more. I put the affidavit on this feed, Dave, mm-hmm. uh, so that people can actually read it for themselves because it's too much to get into here. It's eight pages. But you should read it and then decide for yourself what you think. But if this is a setup, the interesting thing is if you if you don't say things to people, and I don't know if there's any audio recording, but if it was a setup and they don't have any audio recording, it's going to be kind of hard to prove, I would think. It would be more circumstantial evidence, once again. But if police knew that this was taking place, it would seem to me that they would also wire these inmates and get actual audio recordings of her saying these things. I don't know and haven't been able to read all the affidavit to know that if they have that. But I would think if they did, that would be big news. If they don't have that, then... How do you how, how do you, you how trust do you know, inmates? How do you know what the what the notes were actually saying that was that were passed between exactly between right between the bars? Because the fact is, if someone passes a note to someone else, mm-hmm. and all, all of them are are suspects, or or maybe they've been even been convicted, mm-hmm. and so who's to say they didn't write their own note and show the show the investigators? Hey. <laughs> well, I would just say this: I am very concerned about the safety of Rebecca O'Donnell. I really am. I don't know if she's guilty or innocent of this crime. I have not personally seen all of the evidence. I have not been personally involved in the investigation. Police investigating are the only ones who really know all that they have. All I know is there is so much in, in this case that is so out of the ordinary, extraordinary about the way it's been handled, about the way things are being handled to date, and about the information that's been coming out slowly and about the way she's being handled as a prisoner. And so, you know, Jeffrey Epstein, if he wasn't safe, nobody's safe in jail. And I am concerned for her because there are a lot of, of allegations out there flying about Phil Smith. And we all we all know that he was a shady judge. He he lost. He was he was removed from the bench. He had to resign from the bench because of his um Shadiness. Shadiness and using the computer uh, for nefarious things while he was a a judge, supposedly, which he admitted to. And I've also seen that affidavit. So, you know, this is not the most upstanding guy in the world. And we know that Arkansas is just riddled with corruption. So it's it's hard to know what the truth is. I hope we all find out one day. And I hope, for goodness sake, that the family of Linda Collins Smith gets the truth and that the murderer is brought to justice, well, whoever you, that it's is. It's never going to come out if it never goes to trial. Yeah, it's... I got to think habeas corpus starts fitting into this someplace. Well, Dave, yeah, how scary is it? there's some things that we'll never know. You know, like who really murdered JFK, you know? Right. You know, justice... Sometimes I wonder if there's... How much justice is left anywhere in this country as far as at the justice department we're department we're still in the best country in the world but uh privilege uh gets you a lot of places and a lot of protections and if the right wrong people are against you you're not safe anywhere jen you talk about safe in jail i mean if if you've wronged the wrong people and you're going to testify against them, you're not safe anywhere. You're liable to be found Yes, but if you're supposed suicide. to be under, I mean, strict <laughs> right. suicide watch, like she was supposedly at one time, and like Epstein was, I mean, nobody was watching Epstein when he supposedly killed himself. Yeah, <laughs> so, you know, he, he knew too much on too many big people, and I just... You know, I, I'm afraid for Rebecca O'Donnell. And I, like I say, I don't know if she's guilty or innocent, but she does deserve a fair trial, regardless of what you think. She deserves a fair trial and she is innocent until proven guilty. And 
Um, it's it's if she is guilty, it could lead to other people. There could be other people. There involved. has to be other people and, involved. And, and there and is no way humanly possible, R.D., that that woman could have moved Linda Smith's body after she was murdered. There, there's right. no way. And, and whenever you come to the motive, there could be more people involved in the motive. There could be people involved in the action of doing it. Mm-hmm. There could also be people that maybe paid for having that done and did the same thing that she was trying to do. But uh, it we well, you know those of us that knew Linda and loved her, we'd like to know the truth. We'd like her family to mm-hmm. know the truth. But you know, sometimes you know, truth is reserved for judgment day. You know, the scary thing <laughs> is, it, this could happen to any of us. No it, doubt, you, anybody at any time could turn around and and you're arrested for and charged with capital murder, and you're being held forever until your trial. And the information about why you're being held and you can't talk to your family and you can't. I mean, you're just being isolated. I, I can't. Why is she allowed to talk to her family? I, mean, I don't know. What's the deal with that? I, I mean, don't know. But her family, the last time I checked, still was not allowed to meet and talk with her. But she can talk to inmates. <laughs> inmates with cell phones. And ask, so the, I, ask the judge. I just don't get it. It's supposed to be knows. a gag order on the case. Right. But Which judge is that? Which how, one are you going to talk to? Not the one that recused uh, himself. Yeah, yeah. I think there's already been three judges assigned to this case how do you now? recover your life though what what if let's just say what if rebecca o'donnell is completely innocent and this has been a horrible case of corruption and she was completely set up how how does a person like that regain their life you I don't mean, right forever you've got this black cloud hanging over your head that you're a murderer even well, if you're innocent all your finances yeah. that, and then that how do you wrecked. lose your home you, ha- you can't work you don't have your job i uh, <laughs> the justice system is not quick, therefore it is not just. No. Th- that is one of the problems with our justice system. It is so blasted slow. It, it is it is impossible for it to be just when you drag things out and, mm-hmm. and leave people hanging for so incredibly long. It, even if they're guilty, if you drag someone along through the mud for, for a year or two while they're, while they're dealing with a case that's may, maybe the, the – the, 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 the value of the of the criminal offense is maybe only a couple thousand dollars, but you drag mm-hmm. them through court for three years, and all of a sudden you've you've cost them tens of thousands of dollars, if not more. And our justice system is not just; it is wicked. Right. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what happens after this, because I mean, are we going to have a separate trial for the the for the uh, conspiring to commit murder charges now that are against her? Is that going to be separate from the murder of? Uh, it it Senator, would have to. It have to yeah, be Senator Linda Collins Smith is going to be before or after that. I mean. Uh, I don't know. Unless the uh, defendant, his uh, her counsel, agrees to go ahead and let them join mm-hmm. both together. But, you know, you would have to be crazy. I unlikely. mean, literally, mentally insane to be in jail for the murder of a, a state senator and to then turn around and talk to inmates and pass written notes to inmates to try to have her ex-husband killed. I mean, I... You know, well, there's it's, been it's, stranger stories than that, Jan. <laughs> I mean, seriously, about really, people in jail, and they've been able to go in and, after four or five years, go back and and charge them and find them guilty of murder because they have uh, told other inmates that they did mm-hmm. it. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. So, interesting developments today in the Senator Linda Collins-Smith case. Now, supposedly ABC News is going to be doing something on this um, a little later, I've heard, not just this but 
maybe bring kind of surprised that IDTV hasn't picked up on this. I know what is up with that. Maybe they are planning to do something on it. But I will. I am going to put in this thread. I've already put the affidavit. So if you are watching in Facebook land or you're listening in the radio, go to the Dave Ellswick Show Facebook page uh, or Jan Morgan page, and I've got it in this thread. The actual affidavit, so you can click on it and read for yourself all the details that uh, police have released. Regarding why they have uh, their probable cause for charging Rebecca O'Donnell with this latest set of crimes. And then also in this thread, I haven't put it in there yet, but I'm going to put some of the news coverage of Rebecca O'Donnell's um, new charges. So interesting. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting. Right now, it's interesting till they get in front of the judge and they start presenting cases. It's just conjecture. And I'm planning on covering that for you, by the I way. I know. Once you know, once the trial starts, I plan on just setting up camp there and providing day to day live have coverage a little for pup you. Tent? And, yeah, a little little <laughs> tent and just providing live coverage for you and and, and the, your listeners so that you can stay on top and get first hand uh, information from the courtroom instead of having to wait and get, you know, two and a half minute news recaps. So maybe we can win an A P news award. <laughs> for best continuing coverage That's exactly actually right. i did win an award when i was with uh, ksla tv i won an award for best continuing coverage for a documentary i did during the gulf war and cool. uh, some best spot news so yeah i used to be a active reporter serious investigative reporter so when we come back mm-hmm. i want to ask you about chris corbett and uh robert steinbach and they put the uh you know, the Pulaski County uh, judge on notice, as well as the sheriff on notice that, you know, Corbett is a lawyer and is, of course, allowed to be in the courthouse and should be allowed to have his gun with him. Mm. Interesting. You haven't heard about this? No. Oh, it's good. I'm about to, though. You Sounds are. Like. I'm going to tell you all about it <laughs> when we come back. People, it's, this is a police officer that yes. was involved and actually lost his job. No, 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 no. The police chief was going to remove him. This is Chris Corbett was trying to go into the courthouse and asked about, uh, you know, I'm a a lawyer, I'm an attorney, and by law I should be allowed to come into the courthouse uh, concealed carrying. Right. And they said, you stay right there. And they wouldn't let him go back to his car. (laughs) And and it was crazy. (laughs) It was really crazy. And, uh, you know, Corbett never... And hasn't said whether he had his gun with him or not. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is they have they have sued the court, they have sued the judge, and they have sued the uh, 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 the sheriff, saying that uh, by law passed by uh, it was law that Bob Ballinger wrote and was passed by the Senate, passed by the House, signed by the governor. Now law of the state. If you're a, a person of the court, which a, an attorney is, mm-hmm. you can walk in with your gun. No problem. Yeah, I thought the judge gets the ultimate say on who can bring guns in his courtroom. You can come in the courthouse. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was the, well, the think, way that is. is so the I judge think, can ultimately decide. I think the judge could allow you or I to carry in the courtroom if you right. wanted to. If he wants to. But there's some people that, but that you can, already in, have But you can authority. already go in right. the building. Right. So you mm-hmm. can go in the building. And they, they kept him from going Whereas in the building. I think the language in the law so, is that an officer of the court. So what? Yeah, the officer of court. And that an attorney is. And here's mm-hmm. the key. They they not only they want this they want injunctive relief. In other words, they don't want any money for this. Just mm-hmm. They just want them to come around and do it Straighten right, up, and, and right then yeah. force every other court court, court in the state in the to state do the, to do the exact yeah, same thing. Got to give them credit. Precedent. So the Chris Corbett, I say, good job, man. We'll talk more about it when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, so let me try to 
put this together. I, I've I've uh, sent a uh, a text to Chris to see if he can join us. But uh, he's suing local officials for denying him access to a courthouse while carrying a handgun. Mm-hmm. Chris Corbett, of course, he's a patent attorney from Conway, filed the complaint last Thursday. You heard about it here on my show. They came on at the last moment of the day to talk about it against Pulaski County Sheriff Eric Higgins and County Judge Barry Hyde. A security guard refused to let him enter the Pulaski County District Courthouse on January 3rd because he carried a concealed gun permit. Now, here's the key. He has a permit, but they don't know whether he had the gun or not. He never... Did he have the basic concealed or the enhanced? He never... I don't know. He never said that he had a gun with him. He just asked, all right? Yeah, good question. Uh, the, so they uh, didn't let him in because he had a permit? Yeah, that's kind of what they're saying. Uh, let me let me <laughs> see here. Seems question. like I'm missing they, something here. <laughs> they didn't let him in because he asked a question, and because he asked a question, they they assumed, assumed right, which is ooh. my favorite thing. They assumed oh, the sto- that the he story. was carrying a firearm. Chris just texted me. Okay. He's calling. Cool. Good deal. Oh, we can get Wonderful. That, get it right from the horse's mouth. Yeah, you know, when I go to the courthouse, they always they have their little metal detectors. And when I walk up to it, the little police officers, because they know me, they say, Jen, uh, you aren't packing, are you? You, I mean, I hate to have to. Yeah, (laughs) you can't come in me before you go through the metal detector. You know, we're going to catch you if you're packing. They they start playing that song. (laughs) I hear you knocking, but you can't (laughs) come in. That's one of my favorite songs. Love it. That's what I use when people knock on my door at work. (laughs) I hear you knocking, knocking, but you can't come in. (laughs) All right. Is that Chris? Put Chris up. Let's talk to him real quick. Chris Corbett's going to join us here on David. Hey, Chris. Do me a favor, Jan. Hey, this is the first Jan has heard about this. Give her the rundown of what happened to her. We got one minute, and then we're going to take a break. Then we'll come back and talk further with you. Yeah, great. All right, hey, Jan. Hey, how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I've been a concealed handgun carry, carrier since the 90s. Mm-hmm. And I've got the enhanced, and um, I carry all the time. And I normally you know, lock my gun up in the car when I'm going to the courthouse. How do I even take my pocket knife out before i go into the courthouse it's a good idea and uh last friday i was in a hurry uh i was doing a doing a a filing at the courthouse and i i ran inside the courthouse and just i mean completely you know i get so comfortable wearing it i don't even know i have it on me and uh ran inside the courthouse and stopped and it's like "Uh uh-oh i said hey uh can I bring my gun in here? Okay, keep keep it right there, Chris. We got to get to the news, and we'll come back and talk further with you. All right, the power panel is here. Artie is here. Paul's here. Jan Morgan is here, and on the phone with us is Chris Corbett. <coughs> Excuse me. Hello, hello. Back with us. Okay, so you showed up. You asked the uh, the guard there the, if it was all right if you carried your gun in. Yeah, and, just. You know, I came in the door, I kind of froze and said, hey, uh, ooh, uh, can I bring my gun in here? And the guy goes, no. He goes, why, you have it on you? I said, I need to go back to my car for a second. He said, uh, no, you need to stay where you're at and don't move. I said, hmm. ooh, uh, yes, sir. <laughs> and and um, so I, I, then I, you know, I sheepishly pulled out my phone and said, I got a law on point here, says officers of the court can carry their firearms or guns into the courthouse and uh how about how about you read that 
And I, I run back to my car for a second, and, and I'll be right back. I took my hat off, left my papers on the table, mm-hmm. left my phone there, and and he, he said, okay. So I ran back out of the car, and then I came back, and um, the at that point, the, the other security guard was there, the sheriff, the sheriff's deputy, and said, you need to come, you need to step through the, the metal detector. And I said, okay. And I, I walked through and, of course, didn't have a gun on me, and uh, – and then afterwards, I, after sweating and tucking my tail between my leg, and I said, uh, uh, you know, I think that law is right on point about officers of the court. And I'm a lawyer. He said, you a lawyer? I said, yes, I'm a lawyer. He said, well, um, no, you're not allowed to bring your gun in here. And uh, so that, that's the law. I said, all right. And so I left the courthouse and uh, wiped the sweat off my brows. I thought the jail's right next door <laughs> and uh, called my called my buddy Rob Steinbuck and told him what happened. And he uh, tongue laughed me and said, what are you doing? That's so stupid. And then he said, wait a minute. I think, I think you may have a lawsuit. So we need to, we need to find out what, what the law really means. Mm-hmm. And we discussed it and we filed suit. Yeah. The law is awfully clear. I'll, I'll read this section. It's 573-122. It's however, a law enforcement officer, officer of the court, bailiff, or any other person authorized by the court, is permitted to possess a handgun in the courtroom of any court or courthouse of the state of this state. That seems pretty stinking clear. <laughs> I sure hope so. I mean, so, <laughs> well, I mean, even, if, there- even if you even if you weren't an officer uh, of the court, a, a lawyer, you still you said you had the enhanced license. I thought the whole purpose of the enhanced was to let people carry in some of those places. Yeah, so, I don't think you that includes to tell me, courtrooms. But. Well, the judge yeah. can actually decide who can carry and who can't carry in his courtroom. But, right. Um, I, would, I would think he would have the power to do that. Well, I tell you what, a courthouse is a strange place to be trying to read the law to somebody. So, Chris, is there any? So, Chris, is there really any? When you're nervous, you're nervous, and uh, you're sweating, and 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 you need your glasses to read that fine print on your iPhone. <laughs> so, Chris, is there is there any question about whether or not an attorney is an officer of the court? Is this is this kind of where this where this issue hinges? No, it, it definitely does not hinge right there. The, the lawyers are definitely officers of the court. Okay. Uh, based on case law, there's a great Arkansas Supreme Court case right on point that lawyers are officers of the court. Um, you know, they're they're protect they're instructed and licensed to defend the Constitution as mm-hmm. officers of the court. Well, you know, Chris, um, I, I know what you're talking about when you said you were sweating and all nervous about everything yeah. because I I yeah. feel the exact same way every single time. I mean, every time I am standing in a TSA line and I'm about to go through the little checkpoint. I, I always ask myself, I, I literally say this, I, I wonder if I accidentally still have a gun somewhere in one of my bags that I forgot to take out. You know? yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. did I really, did I empty everything out? Or a bullet. I mean, you can get, I almost got an $1,100 fine because I had a bullet still in one of my bags. So, Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a real deal. That's so, serious. So bottom line, what you're saying is that at the Pulaski County Courthouse, the... Uh, the Pulaski County judge and the sheriff decided that lawyers shouldn't be carrying guns. Is that what you're trying to say? That's, that's well, not only lawyers, but no, not, not anybody. Um, they, all, they, let the, they let the bailiffs in, but they have the posting on the courthouse door, and they've got the metal detectors. 
um, you know, to prevent people from bringing in switchblades and knives and guns. But this law was originally written in 97, I believe, which I was unaware of. And it stems from the Fort Smith uh, courthouse shooting where a deranged guy came in there to shoot the judge in his divorce hearing and ended up killing the trial court assistant. You know, Shelly Carpenter in our news feed right now on Facebook, she says that quorum court members can carry in their meetings. Yeah, there's a no, they can. No, that's she, wrong. She says. I, I don't think that's correct. There's a I'm maybe that's in Pulaski County quorum court. Oh, maybe not in Lone Oak. Yeah. So well, there's a there's, there's a, a state law that, that that just passed two years ago that said that the the county judge can carry in the in the quorum court and other people and they, county employees that they have county employees but they specifically left the quorum court members out and this was two years ago unless they've passed another law since then because when wow. that bill was passed i was on the quorum court when the bill passed and i mm-hmm. was left out of it so unless they passed another law then the quorum court is, oh well, bless your heart i bet members. you didn't ever carry a gun in there either did you yeah so chris so, so are we just kind of down to the idea of whether or not the courts are going to uphold the law well here's here's the idea and here's what what i've found here over and over the last three to five years and why i've started suing cities and and starting hammering some of these bureaucrats love this guy there's no such thing as a, a gun-free zone i mean it's something made up and then, and then you put that next to a free speech zone. Hmm. What, what, what in the world are some of these Democrats and liberals thinking? You can only say certain things in certain places. And they can only carry your gun in certain places and designate an area a gun-free zone. It's, it's, it's outrageous to me. It's ridiculous. Well, that's their and, way uh, of trying to control and getting all guns off the street. I mean, that's why they, they came up with the safety zones around schools, Chris. If you If you take all the schools and put a... Uh, a circle around them of a of two hundred yards. You take yeah. out about all the all the area and cities where you can carry a gun. It's outrageous, man! We well, said it over and over, Dave. You know the, the only thing that stops a, a deranged um, person with a gun is another guy with a gun. We saw it in Texas, that Texas church. That's right. And uh, man, it, uh, hey, we'll, but we we'll still as we're... bad as we have it in Arkansas, and in spite of what you're going through, like I can Virginia. tell you it's not like the folks. I am headed to Virginia next week. In fact, I will not be on the power panel next Tuesday because I will yes, be on will, my way by back phone. At, by phone. Okay, because I'm supposed to be a speaker at the uh, Virginia Citizens Defense League rally on Lobby Day. Wow. Yeah, uh, well, they're expecting in excess of fifty to seventy thousand people there. They've wow. got buses already full coming from virtually every area of the country i've seen the the buses i've seen the bus lines and the the people that have signed up and it's pretty amazing how many and there's an arkansas delegation going too dave oh, did cool. you know that i yeah. didn't know well, that. gonna be some arkansas folks from 746 well, well you know no these are some there are some people from the act 746 group but they didn't really actively push people to go to that because we've got our own battles here we're trying yeah, to fight we do. but but these are just citizens who want to step up to the to the to the plate and to let the people of virginia know we're behind you we've got your six on this and your fight is our fight all right so chris real quickly when are you expecting to hear uh from somebody about this how long do they have to be able to respond yeah so the process is i've got to serve my friend eric higgins um, which I helped get elected as sheriff. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna serve him with a lawsuit <laughs> and say hi, and then and then um, and then serve uh, Barry Hyde. So that's out for service right now. And as soon as I get confirmation of service, they'll have 30 days to answer the lawsuit, or 
what they'll probably do is file a motion to dismiss, claiming I don't have standing or mm-hmm. claim some sort of outrageous. Um, they're going to try to. If I was an opposing attorney, anyway, 30 days, that's what you're looking at, 30 days. Chris, one more question. Do I have time for this time? Are they teaching lawyers in law school today about the Constitution and the Bill of Rights? Because I actually Uh, had a lawyer tell me that they're not getting anything on the Constitution. And then there were two judge candidates that I listened to speak yesterday at the Garland County Republican Women's uh, meeting. They had the two candidates for the uh, Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals position. And it was uh, Judge Emily White and Stephanie Potter Barrett were the two candidates there oh. speaking. Yes. And and Stephanie Potter Barrett actually said with a straight face that our rights are derived from the Constitution, not from God. And I just. Oh, wow. I, yeah. In other words, yeah. our documents are government issued privileges. And I, I and someone asked her about that specifically. Are you sure that, that do you really mean that? And then, of course, Judge White stood up and said, on the other hand, no, uh, rights are inalienable, privileges are not. And she believes that rights are inalienable and God-given not from a document. So I just wondered, I, I, if you, how do you preside over the law if you don't understand the difference between rights and privileges? Wow, I, that's interesting. I like, I like that discrepancy you pointed out there, Jan. Well, it's huge. And I'm asking you, are they not teaching this in law school now? It sounds like we need to get Robert Steinbach on here, since he's he's a law professor, and let him talk about that. Well, in the state of Arkansas, you know, it's always so clear where the governor and the attorney general always stands on all the issues. You know, whenever you talk about open carry or concealed carry or whatever, you know, they walk the line back and forth so thinly you can't ever know anything. But the state of Arkansas... Needs to be a constitutional carry state. They need to find. Well, we a, are. They well. It doesn't matter. As long as you buy your license, as long as you buy your license. No, it doesn't matter what the governor says. Doesn't matter what the attorney general says. The attorney general is just giving her interpretation of the law. What matters is what the Arkansas state constitution says. I mean, that's before all these folks, right? It says in Article 2, Sections 5 and 29, that the people of Arkansas have a right to keep and bear arms for their common self-defense. And then Section 29, here's the kicker and the clincher. Any effort to regulate or restrict this right is inviolate. Well, that's I mean, exactly what, I, what they're doing. Well, that's I know. exactly what they're doing. That's what I'm but, saying. Any effort to regulate or restrict your rights is inviolate. How can you violate. be clear on the law in the state of Arkansas whenever the, the governor and the attorney general is not clear on the law in the state of Arkansas? Or whenever the Supreme <laughs> Court of the land is not clear right. on the Second Amendment. Exactly mm-hmm. right. So th- there's a reason that th- there's so much confusion is because nobody can go back to the Arkansas State Constitution or the American Constitution and say it is what it is and it says what it says. You know, they have to find some way to fund the retirement plan or something and come up and start trying to sell our rights back to us. Well, Virginia is ground zero, folks. And if you think that what's happening there is their problem, you're wrong. If the Democrats succeed in Virginia, it's like a cancer. It will move. It is already a plan. I want everybody, I'm challenging you to go to YouTube and type in the Rocky Mountain heist. Michelle Malkin did this documentary. Yeah, she, 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 back then when she did this documentary, she named Virginia and Texas as the next two states that this, this concept would be tried in this, this idea of how you can take over a state and eliminate gun rights and gain control of the people. And Virginia was the state that was next after Colorado. And, of course, now there's Not that's exactly week, what's happening. Not next week, but the week after. I'll try to get Michelle on. That would be awesome. I'll give her a call. Nice. 
We can get her on. Chris, thanks for coming on. I know that yes, you've you got things to get done, and we appreciate Call you doing it. All right. We'll talk Bye. to you later. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. All right. So Chris Corbett's standing up for our rights. Yes, he And is. his rights. Yeah. And uh, we'll see in about 30 I need days. I his number. I need to see if he wants to do something for concealed handgun license. I All can those get instructors that got lost their credentials. I can get you, yeah. get you to him. All right. We got to get a break in. We got to do that. It's 101.1 FM, The Answer, the home of Rush Limbaugh. All right, back with you. Linda is in Conway and wants to talk to us. Linda, how are you? Welcome to the Dave Ellswick Show. Hello. Uh, Thank you for having me. Sure. I was curious about your opinion on the um, immigration status that the governor is proposing. Oh, the refugee situation. Oh, yes. Yeah. How do you think we feel? (laughs) Knowing us the way you seem to, since I'm sure you listen to the show, what's your take? Well, I'm concerned uh, with the fact that we don't have a say. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That would be an understatement. Here, here's the thing. Well, I, not even that. Even your elected officials, other than your governor, have no say. Have well, no say. The people do have a say in, in this respect. The Arkansas Democrat Gazette did an article yesterday. It was actually an Associated Press article that the Democrat Gazette printed, uh, where they did kind of an overview of how the governor defended his decision in a hearing where the legislators had called him down and said, we want to ask you a bunch of questions because they were blindsided by this whole thing. Right. Most all of them were, and they were upset about that because their constituents are going crazy. Well, in that article, there was a poll, an online poll. Do you agree with the governor's decision to bring in refugees? And right. 90, the last time I checked, 94 like percent, 94 yeah. to 96 percent said no. And not and what was left, five or six percent said yes. So the governor is, is really stepped in, off in it on this one. And I think it's going to follow him if he decides to run for some other office. But in the meantime, you know, here's what I found out today. You are required, even though it's his decision, you are required to uh, get permission from the counties. You have to have support from the county and the cities where you're bringing that. And there is a list online. Uh, Senator Trent Garner posted this last night. There is a list online of the governors who've decided to accept these refugees into their states. And it has to, they have to provide written documentation from the cities showing that they are welcome to having these refugees come to their, in their county. Right. Arkansas, as of last night, had nothing there. So where is the written paperwork uh, showing that these cities are welcoming these refugees. And, and that is where you do have a say. Well, you do have a say at this point. The people listening and the people who do not want this need to call their county judges, call their city uh, leaders and say, I do not want refugees in our county. You need to do that. and You need to do it yesterday so that perhaps if there's enough pressure applied, even if the governor wants them, if the counties and cities stand up and say, we don't want this, then maybe the people can win. You can defeat well, City Hall. We found this out in the last legislative session. You, we, you know, we, we did the impossible. The legislature had already said, because of the governor's pressure, they, they refused to pass a bill that would prohibit sanctuary cities in Arkansas. And the reason we pushed that legislation is because the city of Little Rock had already handed out eleven to 1,400 valid state-issued photo IDs to illegals, people they knew were here illegally. Okay, And then there were some other cities wanting to do the same thing. So um, State Representative Brant Smith and State Senator Gary Stubblefield put forth this legislation prohibiting sanctuary cities and uh, you know declaring that if your city engages in any kind of sanctuary city programs, we're going to cut your state funding. But that's well, what they're doing. But well, no, the, the Republicans, the Republicans, there were two or three 
that refused to vote on the issue or voted the wrong way on the issue. And so it, it died in committee. But in 24 hours, we the people, you, we the people, turned that decision around by calling our legislators and pressuring them. And I, I, I want to keep bringing that up because it shows that even when it seems like you can't win, you can because legislators, elected officials, they do pay attention to phone calls and emails. They don't like that kind of pressure. They prefer to do what they do in the darkness and get by with it. But when citizens start getting on their backs about decisions they make, they have to start listening if they want to be reelected. But if you look at that area up there, that area has a very big background on very liberal-minded when you go up to Rogers yeah, yeah. and That's where you got the U of A. I mean, sure it does. Sure County. does. And, and notice yesterday the, the governor's big, big uh, defense for these people are being vetted. They're being properly vetted. And when the, when the legislators said, well, you know, well, how confident are you in this vetting process? Well, the high commission on refugee reassimilation is, is, is making these decisions and vetting these people for us. Do you know what? We it's found out that it's not – that high commission is a U.N. organization. Hmm. The exactly. UN organization, a United Nations organization, which United has never Nations, been who took cons- over a compound in Salt Lake City. Exactly. And yes. And get me started on that. Mm-hmm. So there is a north. There's a Northwest Arkansas Council that you can look in up. Here, up here's what also. I would suggest yeah. to you, Linda. Keep keep listening to this station, because I'll guarantee you if they try to do stuff, we'll be the first to tell you about it. And tell your friends and get people to get on their phone and start making phone calls. Yes, and emails, absolutely. Please. Jan, yes, ma'am. Um, you mentioned Linda Collins earlier, and yes. it breaks my heart. And um, I'm I'm facing a similar situation. Um, local builder um, broke ground on the property across the street from me, and um, decided that he liked my property. And it's been a three year fight where he's um, slandered and uh, defamed me with horrific accusations um and he has full backing of local government and i'm afraid for my life so um could i read this it's this is from a 1967 um publication and if i could just read this short paragraph um about cps i tell you what let's because we're we're on a tight schedule and we didn't even read the affidavit in the Collins case why don't you message me or message us and we'll take a look at it and if it's something we need to dig into maybe the Ellswick team will do that send it send it to me Linda at Dave at Salem S-A-L-E-M-L-R dot com give me all the background send me the article and then we'll take it from there yes ma'am and thank you for calling in yeah we appreciate you all right we appreciate you being on with us here on the, the Dave Ellswick show I hope everybody, and I hope Linda will understand, I can't just let people come on the air and start reading things. No, we have to. That we, we've never we, vetted. Right, that we haven't looked at, because then you start, you know, depending, a lot of people don't understand uh, libel and slander, and if we allow somebody to come on the air and start making comments about somebody that they can't validate or back up with, you know, evidence. Yeah, and if you didn't get my email, just call back that same number and talk to Zach. He'll give it to you over the phone so that you can get it to me. I, I've... I've done more than you know dealing with people who have sent me information and we've done whole shows on it so uh if if it's worth everybody's while then we will do it all right we got to get a break in because news is up next jan is here paul's here rd's here we say 
Hopper, Calvert, and Morgan. Uh Sounds like a law firm. Uh, (laughs) We'll be back with you in just a few moments at 101.1 FM, the answer to home of the Rush Limbaugh program. for a Tuesday, and we'll start off by traveling across the fruited plains of America to Foley, Alabama, where William will join us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. How you doing, William? You there, William? Yes, I am. Uh, Regis Lima Charlie. All right. What's up? Um, y'all was talking about that uh, refugee settlement that y'all was going to have in uh, Arkansas in which the governor was going to declare or something. Yeah, he's already given the okay to bring refugees into the state from Syria. Well, well, I got I got to give y'all a heads up. Ivy remains noncommittal to on refugee settlements in Alabama, and that's our governor. Okay, so he has said he's not sure what he wants to do yet, right? So you guys still have plenty of time to use leverage against him. Uh, that, uh, that, no, uh, it's, a, it's not a man, it's a lady. Okay, your lady. Okay, the, the governor, though. Yeah, it's, uh, we got a lady that's a governor there. And, but according to what it says here, Governor Kate Ivey has yet to decide whether Alabama would accept the resettlements of new refugees. As a key, as the key deadline approaches on January 21st, but I got to tell you something, friend. Uh, I've seen a lot of things on Facebook just a while ago about it, and I tell you, a lot of people's already writing letters saying no. Well, that's exactly what you must do, and you must call her office, and you must say no. And I need to tell you something. I am going to be in Alabama February 8th speaking at the Freedom Conference, the Bama Carey Freedom Conference, along with uh, Mark Keith Robinson, Chris Ann Hall, a bunch of other Eric Pratt from Gun Owners of America. So I hope you will come and be a part of that. Location. Uh, The location, Jasper Civic Center. That's on a Saturday, February 8th. Uh, you can get advanced tickets. If you go to my Facebook page, Jan Morgan Facebook page, you'll see the on the cover photo. I've got the, the flyer for it. But, uh, yeah, it's 30 bucks to get in, and that includes your meal. Get a nice meal, and uh, you're going to get to meet these folks and listen to some amazing speeches. 
Yeah, it's too far for me because I'm close to Gulf Shores. What do you mean it's too far for you? I'm coming all the way from Arkansas. Now, it's your state. Talking about your gun rights. You can, what, what's an, what, another couple of hours? Well. Yeah, right. We got well, you. We understand. I like to, I like to but uh, like I said, it's just it's just too far. I wish you was, was down here in Baldwin County to speak. Yeah, right. well, well, just keep keep plugging away and, and tell the folks in your area to write your governor, call your governor, email her, and say, we don't want refugees. Roger that. All right, we appreciate your call. Thank you much, William. Appreciate your call. From Foley, Alabama. If you want to call, by the way, 501 he said, Eight. Alabama. 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 People in Alabama. You can tell a real Alabama person because the way they say the Alabama. Alabama. No, Al- Alabama. It's like Bama. 501-823-0965. That is the number to call if you want to get involved in the conversation. If you're watching on Facebook Live, use that number. You'll be on the radio show at that moment. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, the... A group, the Republican Governors Association, is not the most conservative group in the world. And, you know, after your Republican governor gets back from those meetings, you might ought to keep an eye on them hmm. because uh, um, I think they like Obamacare as much as Barack Obama did and, uh, and several other issues. Uh, Republican governors seem to like federal funding and seem to like taxes. Well, they like the money, man. And uh, they seem to like Obamacare, so... Uh, and now it seems like they like uh, immigration from uh, uh, unfriendly countries. Well, you know what? If you look at, uh, the, I had someone send me a link to a story, I think it was on USA Today, that they did about a little Missouri town close to the border of Arkansas where all these refugees have started congregating. And they the, the people who live there are moving out. They're complaining because... The people who have moved there, the refugees, are insisting on their own set of laws, their Sharia law, be enforceable there because the the citizens say they are these refugees are mistreating the women and that's okay in their culture. So they don't like that. the The town is beginning to look like a third world country, the very place that these people fled from. And the citizens are saying we don't even recognize our community anymore. They've demanded changes in the schools. There are eleven different languages now being spoken in that city. It doesn't look like the little Missouri town that it once was. Look up the story, USA Today. Just type in refugees, um, ISIS camp, and the connection. And, and the, the, NC, the increase in crime. And they also cited there was an increase in traffic accidents because a lot of these people come in, they don't know how to drive, and they don't understand our laws, and they don't intend to learn about our laws. because That's why we are always saying that you're welcome uh, legally and if you're willing to assimilate. If you look up, these people do not want to assimilate. No, and we're not we're not forcing not. them to. And that's the difference Many between refugees do. and immigrants. Immigration, you know, legal immigration, they they have to learn about our culture, they have to learn about our constitution and bill of rights. They have to they they learn all the things that are critical to the very culture of America and the foundation of this country was built on. And so they 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 learn why they need to assimilate and it helps them do so. When you're refugees, you come in under a whole different uh process and it's it's just not working and I, I i challenge you to find a state where the people the people who have to live among these refugees will tell you that they are liking it and it's working out for them yeah if you look up the institute for economics and peace they have a they have a new system to where they rate uh the global index for peace so this is an institute it's called the institute for economics and peace mm-hmm. and they have a scale to where they 
measure the peace in different areas. They have one for the United States that's very interesting, and they have Arkansas down as one of the least peaceful states in in, in the United States. But during according to their index, I've been reading lately that there is more crime and there is less peace in the last five years on their peace index that saying the world is becoming a less peaceful place. And I agree with England, who is trying to get out of Brexit because of of their having to take all these refugees in because of being part of the European Union and not being able to control their borders, that uh, the world's not a safer place uh, and getting worse because of all the uh, the immigration that's going on that is unchecked with people or background checks are not checked and well you can't they're check not, them not looking for to simulate so there needs to be certain areas you know donald trump tried what was it two years ago that he tried to say we're going to stop letting people immigrate from these areas until we figure out a way to tell if these people like us or not mm-hmm. and uh, all the courts stopped him from from these certain places. President Trump has done a lot. He, I mean, he cut it down to, what, 18,000 that could be accepted in the United States. And then he gave governors, all the governors, the the option in his executive order to say, uh, we don't, we're not going to, we're not set up to take them here. We're not going to take them here. So the president has done everything I think he can feasibly do legally and get by with it. Uh, but But the governors of the states have got to respond to the people and the people if you're not stepping up and speaking out against it then you get what you deserve and it's not worked out very well for the places that these people and the the governor brought on a few people and said well look at this person as an example of you know they they succeeded we brought them here and they succeeded but you know really the 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 people that are benefiting from this the most are like tyson mit um in Missouri, the little town that I was talking about, a majority of the uh, Tyson employees are the refugees, and so they stand to benefit. But then a majority of those employees who are working at Tyson at the same time are also getting government entitlements. They're on uh, all kinds of programs, and their children are on welfare programs, and so that is costing the taxpayer. Hey, Just that- so you'll know, that, that uh, town in Missouri that Jan was mentioning mm-hmm. is Noel. Noel, yes, thank you. It's the name You're of the good. city. Mm-hmm. Good for All you. Right. That's exactly right. Well, don't you know that whenever we get more people on uh, on Arkansas Works, that it brings more money because we get more federal money, and then we tax the federal money and whenever then the it state comes government, in. Then the state government can grow, and then it, it solves part of the problem. Where I believe it was Asa, Asa that said that we don't have a spending problem; we have a revenue problem. It brings in more revenue. Brings in more Bingo. revenue. But that's not the truth. We don't have a revenue problem. We have a spending problem. We absolutely have a spending problem. And that's yes. and that's the thing is that we need representatives and a governor who are willing to cut government. We have a government that is 10 times as big as it needs to be. Well, we have some representatives and some state senators who are doing their best to cut everywhere that they can. Yes. But they're but they're outnumbered by, a, a by other Republicans who are not adhering to the Republican Party platform of limited government and cutting spending. And, and listen closely. This is on our platform mm-hmm. as Republicans. Individual freedom and liberty secured how? By a limited mm-hmm. government. Period. Sure. Now, following that very closely, are we? The problem is that they, they, they define their limited government in a very broad sense. It's a, it's a big limit. 
That's the reason we want to put a half-cent sales tax in the state constitution to it's fund a, our limited it's government. It's conservative socialism. <laughs> Constitutionally conservative socialism once they put it in the constitution. Huh? Well, well, I'm hoping that people are smarter uh, than that and that they don't support that gas tax so, hike, that so permanent gas tax if hike. nothing more that they want to put it in your constitution. Mm-hmm. Right. That well, should be a no a, a non-starter no right. for you. So what's right. the deal with the was it is it the highway department that's going around and and promoting this no, tax it's increase? The it's the governor's oh, his little commission of people. Slick politicians million? are being paid right, to go and around and convince people that this is a good thing and we need it. So, and they've got the city chambers on board and the you know the the the, the so city governments using, and they're they're terrorizing people with the if you don't support this we're going to lose five hundred thousand dollars our city alone or our county alone is going to yep. lose all this money and that's just not true and what i'm wondering is are these people that foolish that you they think that people something. will buy that or are they that foolish and they're buying into it because right, right. Well, the fact is this current tax does not go out until 2023 okay well, we, we we're covered until 2023 we, there were three other bills that offered a julie way to finance it. representative julie mayberry's was the best that, that financed our roads Jonathan and our Barnett. highways without raising well, taxes on Mayberry's the people. And the bill never got out of committee because the governor didn't want it to. It's easier just to pass tax increases on the people and grow government than it is to actually sit down and create a budget where you cut spending and cut out waste and pay for things without utilizing the money you already have coming in. Her bill talked about using the tire tax money. I mean, we've already got a tire, tire tax increase. Oh, it loses money. You can't use that money. Their tire tax, <laughs> their, their tire program is losing money. They're not collecting enough money to pay for the disposal of the mm. tires that they're already getting. So that that 31-page fiasco has made mosquitoes worse in collection areas and cost more than they're collecting. All right, mm-hmm. we got to get a break in. When we come back... I want to play some audio from a Bernie Sanders field organizer who defended the gulags in the Soviet Union and that they should be here in the United States for Trump supporters. We'll talk about it when we return at 101.1 FM, the answer, the home of the Rush Limbaugh program. Okay, so Paul. And Wayne Beach is here, too. Put those headphones on for a second, Wayne. I want you to hear what this uh, person from Bernie Sanders, it's a field organizer, said about the gulags in Russia. This is about 31 seconds, so listen closely. Cut number one. There's a reason Joseph Stalin had gulags, right? Mm-hmm. And actually, gulags were a lot better than like what like the CIA has told us that they were. Like, people were actually paid a living wage in gulags. They had conjugal visits in gulags. Gulags were actually meant for, like, re-education. Greatest way to break a billionaire of their, like, privilege and their idea that they're superior? Go out and break rocks for 12 hours a day. You're now a working-class person, and you're going to learn what that means. All right, listen to cut number two with this guy. Here we go. So if Trump gets re-elected, what? Cities burn. Do you think that some of these, like, Mexican people could even be re-educated? <laughs> I mean, we gotta try. I mean, like, so, like, in Nazi Germany, after the fall of the Nazi party, there was a ton of the populace that was Nazified. And, like, Germany had to spend billions of dollars 
re-educating fucking people to not be Nazis. Yeah. Like, we're probably gonna have to do the same thing here. And that's kind of what Bernie's like, whole like, hey, free education for everybody, because we're gonna have to teach you not to be a Nazi. Check it out, man. Oh. Don't think that people aren't they're talking about it. this wow. way. Mm-hmm. I know well, they're already doing it. That, 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 that is pretty. That is pretty interesting. <laughs> the, the idea that, that re-education um, camps, folks. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, it sounds like Pol Pot so, in so, Cambodia. So public school isn't enough. Now they need to have social engineering schools, quote unquote schools, forced schools, local, more along the lines of prisons for adults who don't have the right. Um, Ideology, thought process. Thought, yeah, and the you, government. You're spins. too privileged. You think you think you're too, you think too much of yourself. Therefore, we need to probably lock you up for a while. You and, like and Donald Trump? You. We're going the, to make you, you know, think the way we do. Well, well the federal government already spends millions of dollars to research us and build database on the Americans, and they spend millions of dollars trying to figure out to get us to behave and act and live and do the things that they want us to do. I've talked to the person that's over uh, the Department of Transportation, one of the branches of the Department of Transportation, Transportation, and he told me, we study traffic flow and we do studies to figure out how we can change it and what we can do to improve things. So what they're doing, they're studying us, then they come out with policies and laws and raise the price of taxes and do certain things and try to get us to do what they want us to do. All right. So, Jan, you didn't have your headphones on no, when I played. No, because somebody play. was sitting That's in my okay. seat <laughs> just listening for you. my headphones. Okay. Just for you, I'm going to okay. play this piece again. Put your headphones on. I they're on. You... I've got, they're on right here. Oh, okay. Yeah, you got I'm them listening. on. Okay. Here's what one of Bernie Sanders field organizers said to the people about Trump people will have to be re-educated. So if Trump gets re-elected, what? Cities burn. So uh, James do you O'Keefe. Think that some of these like mega people could even be re-educated. <laughs> I mean, we gotta try. I mean, like so, like in Nazi Germany after the fall of the Nazi Party, there was a ton of the populace that was Nazified, and like Germany had to spend billions of dollars. Re-educating fucking people to not be Nazis. Like, we're probably gonna have to do the same thing here. And that's kind of what Bernie's like. Whole like, hey, free education for everybody. Because we're gonna have to teach you not to be a Nazi. There you go. We're gonna have to teach. Who was that? That that was one of his field organizers. Bernie's field organizers. Yeah, Bernie Sanders field organizer. So we're if we're Trump supporters, we're Nazis. That's their, 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 yeah, like the Nazis were like after World War II. They have to be re educated. That's right. That's what they, like Pol Pot did them in Cambodia before the killing fields happened. Well, that's what they sent us the the bakery, the bakers in, uh, in Oregon out there was. Oh, yeah. I'm going to do a story on them again. Do you realize if somebody in the Trump, to re education, if somebody in the Trump campaign had said something like that, can you imagine? That would be huge (laughs) news. Huge. is anybody, all the, any o- of the Obama followers had to be re-educated. Yeah, all the Obama followers had to be re-educated. Yeah, what? But the thing is, this, this ideology that 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 government is there to make us moral and to make us think correctly. If this ideology was followed out 
by the right and and those who are religious if they would they would be forcing church on everybody but mm. the, the left here wants to educate people and re-educate people and indoctrinate them to the point where they need to fix their thinking because you know it's just not nice for people to talk about um, sexual perverts as anything other than normal. There's you're supposed to accept the LGBT crowd instead of actually rebuking them for the sinful people that they are and asking and telling them they should repent. This actually, is, we're, we're is, all simple people, though. Let's just sure. clarify that. Just sure. <laughs> LGBTQ people aren't sure, but but we don't we don't. Uh, hopefully, we don't revel in our sin and brag about it. Hopefully we don't. Well, whenever you're trying to normalize pedophiles. We got the news. We'll come back. All right. Just go ahead. What now? Just before the break ended, uh, one of the Bible guys that's coming on after us stuck his head in the door and said, how are they going to re-educate the people with the guns? Yeah. (laughs) It's like, that's an interesting. That's why it's important to be armed. armed. Well, they take the guns, of course. First thing they say, the, the Bible is not your source of authority of right and wrong. The government is well, of course, and they're and they're 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 <laughs> establishing that, that judge said that uh, Jan was talking yeah, about uh, Stephanie Potter Bell. Well, and they're helping Bell, to establish Stephanie that Potter your Barrett, rights come me. from the government. That's what she, she basically said. said. Established yeah. that early, and and especially in the law schools and such. But this, that, that's why our founding fathers said from the very beginning they made it very clear that there's a difference between rights and privileges, and rights are inalienable. And and the reason people. It's important to understand the differences because what the government gives, the government can take away. And if you allow the government the power over deciding what your rights are and are not, then the government also can have the power to take those. And they readily do it on a regular basis. They, they, because they, we've they, allowed it. Well, they, they treat us like we're servants or serfs. Because we are. We are. In, in reality, we are. We are. We're not we supposed to be. They're up. supposed to work for us, but that's not the way it's right. If you don't out. stand up, you're no better than a servant. No, and that's, that's, that's right. That's, that's why that's, we stand up. <laughs> that's right. That's part of the problem. But and they, they kill us sometimes. You need to ask that judge if she's ever read the Declaration of Independence before. Well, she's young, you know. In, in, all, in, in her defense, and I, I do want to clarify, I don't, have, I don't have anything out. personally against Stephanie yeah. Potter Barrett. Yeah. She's young. She she is a lawyer, and she may make a very good judge one day. But I did suggest to her that she go back and read the Constitution, Bill of Rights, and understand the difference between rights and privileges. And she also said she spoke out in that meeting against somebody who said, "Well, they're God given. Our rights are God given." And she said, "Well, I don't remember seeing any anything in the Bible about." Uh, your right to be armed. Oh wow! Yeah, she said that, and oh, so wow, right. So I, I of course posted a few links to uh, biblical scholars pointing out all the passages in the Bible about self defense. Yes, well, yeah. the, the, the thing is, that a lot of rights are not in the sense of you have a right to a gun or you have a right to property. Well, it, 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 Luke, it, it, Luke twenty through thirty six, he said, Jesus said, right, "Grab your sword, and if you can't afford to buy one, sell, sell your, your cloak." Right. And so there's, yeah. there's a lot of different, a lot of different things, but just like. Thou shalt not steal. That is that is a reference to property rights. You can't mm-hmm. you can't have the concept of theft if you don't have have the have the concept of property rights. So right. there's there's your right to property. Your your right to life is you should not murder. Your mm-hmm. right to life, the the the, the, the ultimate sin, property the is of, you. The sin of murder <laughs> is 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 um, it, it requires you to have a right to life. If you don't have a right to life, it's not murder when you kill someone. It's, your body is your own. It is well, and and that's the thing is that. Unless there's a baby inside, and then that baby has, is a separate life. Yes. Sure. Unless there's a source of authority for right and wrong, then yeah. you have anarchy, and well, that's and, what they're working and toward. And that's what we have. Yeah, and there's and the truth, not 
my truth. And that's exactly what we have right. in government right now is anarchy. We've got a government that is without with it is without government. Well, the laws mm-hmm. apply to us; it just doesn't apply to them. Un- unfortunately, in many <laughs> cases, that is true. And, and and sometimes it's not that the law is it, it's it, uh, that it, that the law actually exempts them. It's just they exempt themselves. One of the great scenes yeah. in Batman was where the um, who was it? Michael Caine who played the butler, and he said some people. Just want to see the world burn, and that's true. Well, so, there were a lot of great lines in well, that movie. Yeah, they don't care if there's anything left. Mm-hmm. They just want to see the world burn. That's the like. reason people need to study history. They think that if there's a one-world order in the United Nations is ruling the world, and everybody has the same law and the same education system and the same re- and all religions accept each other, then we will have world peace. But they need to study history. There is, there will always be poor people. There will always uh, start with Genesis wars. when you yeah. study in history. And that's mm-hmm. exactly and about right. the fallen nature of man, and then you might understand man a little bit. Uh, that's exactly right. That we. Need I don't know. I've never understood men protection. completely. <laughs> well, we don't understand women, so don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So Cory Booker. Now, Corey dropped out of the race. He kind of bummed me out because I had him hanging in for two more weeks until <laughs> Iowa. But uh, he uh, he dropped out, and now the left is turning and trying to devour their own. And here's what Cory Booker had to say about the Democratic senators' staffs on the on the campaign trail. Cut number five. Yeah, are you concerned yeah. this debate stage now is, is all white? I'm very concerned. I I still remember the reaction when Kamala Harris dropped off the stage amongst black women in my life. It was almost like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Here's a woman that won in California twice who has been extraordinary and she couldn't even get to Iowa. How how could we have a situation that that is creating that kind of dynamic? We have got to find a way as a party, as a nation, both parties, to understand that we are a diverse nation. I got to the United States Senate and was stunned when I first got there about how little diversity there was on Senate staffs. And thank God Schumer worked with me and Brian Schatz to, to change a lot of that. We are a better nation when we bring hidden figures together with white male astronauts. That's how we defy gravity and go to the moon. Mm-hmm. And the Democratic Party, which represents the, the true rainbow coalitions of America, has got to do a better job of getting more candidates running at all levels, supporting a system that doesn't benefit big money, but uh, but really big values. The left eating oh itself. They're the eating court. themselves. It, it is your own party. That was Corey, right? That's right. Corey, that is your own party that did that to Kamala. Your party is the one that has trouble with diversity. Your party is the party that historically your has voters. had a problem with black people. Your party is the party of slavery, not the Republican Party. So it is your party that did that to Kamala, not the Republican Party. Just I'm sorry. Uh, that. Did, did we have a black president or did I miss that? Yeah, you missed it. But, <laughs> but it's, it's so fun. It's so much fun just to nightmare. watch the left eat their own. Yes. Yes. I enjoy watching the left eat their own. Like, I'm really enjoying Sanders and Warren now. Mm-hmm. You know, Warren uh, being, uh, you know, said that by uh, uh, saying that Sanders said that a woman couldn't win uh, the election. And then Warren came out and was talking about how Sanders' people were going out and lying about her, and she had this to say, cut eight. 
reporting out from my colleague in Politico this morning um, about the Bernie Sanders campaign and the way that they are talking about you at the doors here in Iowa, basically saying that your voters are people who will vote Democrat anyway, that you don't bring new bases into the Democratic tent. Why is he wrong? You know, I was disappointed to hear that Bernie is sending his volunteers out to trash me. Bernie knows me and has known me for a long time. Uh, he knows who I am where I come from, what I have worked on and fought for, and the coalition and grassroots movement we're trying to build. Democrats want to win in 2020. We all saw the impact of the factionalism in 2016, and we can't have a repeat of that. Um, Democrats need to unite our party, and that means pulling in all parts of the Democratic coalition. There you go. They can't win in 2020. She said that that's something Elizabeth Warren just said that I completely agree with. The Democrats can't win in 2020. Not unless they're completely unified, which means we can't be unified unless you have me as the standard bearer. (laughs) Exactly. <laughs> on the on the is, is she the diversity candidate? Is she, is, oh, does she my. want to be the the um, the um, well, listen, affirmative action listen candidate? Listen, what else she said. I'm gonna, oh, let okay, me quote go one ahead, other thing ahead. she said. We have to stop putting trans women who are incarcerated into prisons with men where they are at risk. I'm glad that's all she's got to worry think about, about okay. that one, okay, folks. This, this, this is confusing to but me. Wait, a trans woman but is that a flies man. in the face of what they fight for, isn't it? Because they're <laughs> they're they're trans women. That means they're women. So it's weird. Okay, say that one more time. We need to wait, stop. Trans we women, have to stop to stop putting you know men who think they're women into prisons no, with men where they would be at risk. No, trans women are. Men, yeah, they're, yeah, men they're, who yeah, think they're women. No, they're, they're, uh, they're women who think they're men. No, no, that's the other way. No, no it's, it's the other way. Trans around. women. How do you it's know? men who think they're women because Paul is one. I told you this. <laughs> so, no, because I, I, a trans woman is that Didn't a you male know that, that Paul thinks it's a female? Is the bearded woman? Regardless of whether it's a male that thinks she's a female, he's a female, or it's a female that yeah, thinks think, he's a male. I, I think that's it's right. Trans means <laughs> it's not what it, it was yeah. born biologically. Right, yeah, I think the trans is the is the final. Okay, so it's a woman who thinks she's a man. Don't put her in a men's prison which is I, ridiculous well, because I mean, she thinks she's a man so put her in with the guy what's ridiculous is that our tax dollars are paying for sex change operations of these people yeah. in prison so, so how much that's, so, that's 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 so, meanwhile in america we've got really people good. that cannot get surgery for you know they can't get treatment for liver disease cancer you know heart disease whatever but if you can go to jail you can get your 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 sex change operation. You can get a boob job. You can get a tummy tuck and rear and lift and all kinds and of things. Luckily, or if you join the military too, isn't now that right? stop that. They've President stopped Trump stopped that. Stopped yes, that. that stopped that. Okay, let's. Paul, I, hey, I was already had something he wanted. I was to just going to say, uh, in the very first debate for the Democratic debate, one of the white men came out and said that you cannot outlaw people's private insurance that are happy with their insurance that 50 percent of the people in this country have insurance they pay that with that was themselves. a guy from uh, delaware from delaware and so he said you can't alienate yourself with 50 percent of america because they have health insurance they like 
Are you telling half of the people in this country that your insurance that you pay for with your own money, we're going to make it illegal and tick off half the people in the country? Now, everybody else on that stage circled and killed him because he was saying something that was obvious, common sense. And so whenever the Democratic Party circles and destroys a white male, then it's okay. And there's been a lot of white males that's dropped out of the Democratic race, and they did not play the race card whenever they dropped out. But you get someone else to come in and drop out, and they say, well, it's— it's not because of my ideas. It's not because of my position. color. It's not because that I didn't have the money to run. It, it's the, heaven forbid they say they might have made a mistake on a position or something like that that the American people like. All they've got to do is do that. But it's funny when, when a white guy gets circled and killed, then it's a problem. But let it be one of them, and there's, it's different right. why, story. Why not just come out and say the American voters are too stupid to vote for me? I mean, why not? Why not just come out and say it that way? I mean, maybe they are because they, they don't are. want to admit that they're out of the mainstream. Well, uh, that's exactly right. Half the country, more than half the country, don't want socialist everything. They don't want socialist health care. They don't want, want socialist education system. No, they want it. They want it snuck up on them. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah, we want the conservative socialists to be turning the heat up on the frog. Uh, you that's know, right. just a little bit. They want to be boiled a little bit uh, at a time. Well, they just don't exactly want to feel right. it. Well, and, and unfortunately, and you're taking that's... our insurance away from us because we can't afford it anymore, and that we have to go in the federal system. But I don't want, to, like Dave says, yeah, I don't go want ahead. you to come out and tell me to. Don't, my don't face. tell me that you're doing it. All right, just, do just, it, but just don't tell me that you're doing it. Okay, when we come back. Uh, An Obama national security advisor weighs in on what the president did to Soleimani. Might surprise you what he has to say. Stay tuned. That's coming up. 1011 FM, The Answer, The Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget, this is the home of the Rush Limbaugh program. All right, back with you. I promised you an Obama national security advisor talking about President Trump and his uh, knocking off Soleimani, the uh, terrible uh, terrorist that was out there. And like I said, when it happened, I knew there was one man smiling. That was Senator Tom Cotton. He's a dead terrorist now. Yeah, he is a dead terrorist now. <laughs> He's And I, like I said yesterday, he may be still smoldering in the grave. I'm just telling you, after they blew him up, they blew him up. Anyway, here's what Obama's security advisor had to say. This is cut number seven. It, I think what, what the administration did in the Soleimani case... Is, is absolutely correct. I think it's the right thing. Do you thing wish to do. that you had done it? Sorry? Do you wish that you had done it in your time in government? Um, well, I think we were doing it in the sense that we were really looking hard for Osama bin Laden. While I was in the White House, we found the house that he was in. It took another year to, you know, to be pretty sure that he was there. Don't say it. To kill him. Um, so I, I, you know, I think the I think the Obama administration tried to find the, the terrorist that, that was the most wanted guy at the world in the world. Soleimani is now the next guy. So uh, I give him credit for doing that, and I think it was the right thing to do. And, and I think it's, as articulated by the president, uh, it's a potential game changer. I would, not, I would not let up, though. I would not let up, and I would not uh, listen to the uh, appeasers of the world who 
kind of want to calm the waves and let's let's get back to normal business. And then you have Iran using its proxies to uh, spread terror around the world and interdict shipping, you know, shoot down drones and things like that. Those days, I think, are over, and I hope Iran understands that. Do you believe that our allies in this part of the world should vocally back us up yes. on this? Yes. Because we've seen them in the last several months having back-channel conversations, trying to calm the situation with yeah. Iran. Is that a mistake, or is that something that they have to do? I think there's uh, two messages. One is the public message uh, because of the proximity of uh, Iran. I mean, I, I, I think that this part of the world looks looks at Iran the way that we should, and that, and that it's an existential threat and a very close nearby threat. So that's concerning. Uh, on the other hand, in the private discussions behind behind the scenes, uh, I'm hopeful that uh, the U.S. and our allies here are actually working hard to make sure that. Um, they know that we are supportive. I, I think um, I think the region should seriously think, as you and I have talked about a couple of years ago now. I think a NATO-like organization here in the in the Gulf, one that's, and I know they have uh, this Mesa organization, uh, but I know the big NATO would would be happy to help them do that. I don't think we should bring NATO troops in here to do that, but I think you're going to help. Um, our friends and allies in the region to save a lot of money and become much more effective, uh, much more interoperable, and in the face of an existential threat, provide um, a better share of their own security with us being, uh, you know, supportive. Do you believe that there's a chance that in the annals of history, the Trump administration, the Trump presidency, could end up being? against all odds, one of the most successful of the 21st in century. In the Middle East? Yeah. Uh, um, I guess, yeah, I, 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 think, I think it's possible. Did you hear um, that? Did you, this was a powerful step. That's good enough. Um, that's fine. We've got it all there. Uh, did you wow. just hear? That was an Obama security advisor saying that President Trump could be looked on in history as the most, you know, Successful president in the Middle East. Unbelievable to have them to have somebody actually say that. Because he's doing it the right way. Look, we, we knew during the Cold War that the Soviet Union only understood when they were pointing a gun at you if you had a bigger gun pointing back at them. Well, that's and now we understand, or they and they should have understood this a long time ago, with the terrorists. If you start killing them, mm-hmm. they're not so, you yeah, know. The, the it, demand for terrorists might go they down. Don't, yeah, they're not looking to well, run into the fray, And I so think appeasement doesn't work. And, and I think no, that's it does part not. of the thing is that we, we've, and I've said this before, we've been playing in the Middle East and like a bunch of six-year-olds throwing rocks, and we need to stop throwing rocks and, and treat this like we're adults. We're throwing rocks at like it's like we're throwing rocks at a hornet's nest. I told you, I told you when I went to dynamics of international terrorism, the Mossad came in. The guy who talked to us from the Mossad was the same guy who led Gideon's Sword, which was the operation to get rid of the terrorists from the Munich attack. Mm. And uh, some captain, idiot that he was, 
Uh, I wouldn't say that while I was sitting next to him. I would have <laughs> saluted him and say, that, that's your opinion, sir. But uh, he made the statement that, uh, well, what are you going to do? You kill, you kill them, and you're just going to have more terrorists. And he said, you look for the rat's nest, and you kill them. You just kill them you, wasn't until President they Reagan, figure it out. Wasn't President Reagan that said, I believe in peace through firepower? Was peace, that President Reagan? Peace through strength. Military strength. But that's the thing. That was, hey, when well, I was in SAC... And Wayne is sitting off camera right now, but he knows what our model was. It was called Peace Through Strength. We had the big boy and fat boy, and we had all the the the, uh, the frickin' uh, you know nuclear weapons. We could have. You want to see shock and awe? We could have given them some shock, shock and awe. I think you think you all did. Well, and, and, but the thing is, I think that we've, we've been just kind of messing around. It's a congressional war to to a great extent, and it's it's like six year olds throwing rocks at a hornet's nest, and it doesn't. When work. politicians run wars. Wars go on forever, mm-hmm. and a lot of soldiers get killed needlessly. And, and military contractors get wealthy, and and people end up being enriched by the by the warring. As it's it's a congressional thing. Who gets the congressmen elected? Who gets the politicians elected if it's not the people who are making money off the off the mess? All right. So Jan, what are you up to this coming week? Well, I am going to be flying out to Virginia. I'm going to be in the Woo-hoo. trenches with the Virginians. And you're going to call back here next week. And I'm going to call here. I'll be there Monday and Tuesday. Monday is the – I'm going to do some live shots on prep. If you want me to call in the show, I'll be glad to do okay. that. Do some live shots uh, showing how they're preparing for this major onslaught of thousands and thousands of people from all over the country coming in, including an Arkansas delegation coming in to support Virginians in their fight for their gun rights. And then Tuesday, of course, is big lobby day, and I am a speaker, uh, honored to be one of the speakers at their rally. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. We look forward to talking to you next Tuesday from Virginia. Paul, what's up with you? You're trying to buy a truck. Oh no! I was I was talking with RB <laughs> because about. he's heard that women like to date guys that drive big trucks. So yeah. he's going to get him a big truck. He's oh, yeah. going to get a big old diesel. <laughs> I've got a couple of diesels. Yeah. So what are you doing? What are you? Oh, saying? I was talking to RD. I was thinking about about taking a truck that had a bad engine and and kind of building my own custom truck. Do you not have enough you put, to do? Are you putting a mat? I? Let me just ask: Are you putting a mattress in back? No, that wasn't the plan. <laughs> okay, yeah, what's going on with you, Artie? I've got a meeting at Sons of American Legion tonight, post 71 and Cabot. Tell so them I said hello, would you please? You bet. All right, got to get a break in. The Bible guys are coming up. The uh, power panel will be back minus Jan next week here on the Dave Ellswick Show. 101.1 FM, the answer, the home of the Rush Limbaugh program. Probably will be back next week. Yeah, I think so. Because he said that 
he told me yeah, he thought he'd be back next week. So we're looking forward to seeing him when he gets here. Uh, keep praying for him if you would. Uh, and just kind of a, uh, without saying exactly what, just pray. Yeah. All right. Just pray for the best thing for Scott. Just take care of him. All right. With that said, last week, guys, somebody asked a question about a story in the book of Judges and what in the heck was it all about? All right. And it, it is, a, I'm going to tell you, it's a bizarre story. Yeah. We in Western culture read this story and it makes no sense to us. Right. And now that I've got the Bible guys in front of us and they look at this through a Hebraic glasses they can kind of make some sense of it for us so let me turn turn over to you steve because you've been spending this whole week looking at it kind of give us a story what happened give us a contextual feel of this what happened around the story all right it's all yours thank you this part of uh judges was um after joshua had died so after joshua led the people into the promised land uh, they were, and then he died. This was a period of time where there was no king in Israel. It says several times throughout this place in Judges, and it says every man did what was right in his own eyes. And so that's it kind was of the, their truth, correct? My truth, correct. okay, okay, correct. That kind of time, <laughs> right? It's maybe similar to other times, like um, this time, <laughs> right? Okay, go ahead. So the story is this man was a Levite, doesn't give his name, and it said that he had a concubine and and that she had left him. And she was gone for four months, and then he went to her father's house to go get her back. And then I'll, I'll okay, get into the more, I'll get to more of the details. What a concubine is first. Well, oftentimes when people have this idea that it's almost just a picture of a of a sex slave, but that's not really yes, the picture. Yeah. In this case, it would have been a a secondary wife. Yeah, you'll you'll see the scripture refers to her father as his father in law, as though she is a full wife. Yes, correct. And so. Uh, because you could have multiple wives uh, back then, and even into the New Testament period, because even the stipulation on being a deacon, it says he must be the husband of one wife. One wife. It doesn't mean that he, he, that he was not a divorced man. It just meant that he could have multiple wives and be in leadership. Um, and so he went to go get her, bring her back from his father's house, and after, after the uh, father-in-law kept him there for four days, he finally traveled back, and they stopped in uh, uh Gilead, I think. Gibeah. Gibeah. And um, and so he was in the town square, uh, and a man came in from the field, an older man, and allowed him to lodge at his place for the night. While they were in there having dinner, uh, a bunch of uh, men showed up, started pounding on the door, and said, send the man out. We want to know him intimately. So they wanted to... You know, rape this sounds this like a, this sounds like another story I've heard before. Yes. It's yes. very it's very similar to Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay, as a matter of fact, one of the places that I I did some research on just they they weren't full believers in what I call the Word of God. They just said it was another literary story to make a point about the immorality of the day and not an actual event. Okay, <clears throat> but anyway, so um, the man, uh, the old man, uh, says, "No, this man cannot. I'm not going to give you this man." And then ultimately he says, um, you can have my virgin daughter and then you can have the concubine. And then um, ultimately they threw, one implied that it was both, but then it doesn't say that very clearly in the text. It really looks like it's just a concubine who's thrown out. Then they ravage her all night and then she makes her way back to their house and basically dies at the threshold. Um, And then the the Levite comes out, uh, tells her to get up, doesn't get up, realizes 
she doesn't get up. He realizes that she's dead. He loads her on her donkey, on his donkey, takes her uh, back to his town, and then he cuts her up into 12 pieces and then sends her out to the 12 tribes. So we look at that and go, oh, my word, that has got to be the most horrific story, and it is. It is absolutely terrible. But what often confuses people when they look at stories that are recorded in the Scriptures is just because um, the Bible records it doesn't mean it's Bible condoned or God condoned. Right. So this is the recording of an event by a man who was not honorable, who was not walking according to God, just because the name Levite was uh, tagged on to him doesn't mean he was walking according to the commandments of Moses, obviously, or he would not have thrown her out like that and would not have cut her up into 12 pieces if he was a man who's walking honorably. Um, so the we have to wonder why she left. And some say that she was, that she had committed adultery, and that's why, um, I mean, it records it that she, way. Yeah, she had played the harlot. That she had right. played the harlot, and it, that, that's what the fight was, and that was what the departure was about. But when we read that he went after her, what we don't know is, did he go after her because he loved her, um, because he wanted her back, or was he just lonely and selfish? Was he just going mm-hmm. after her just to get her back? We don't know. The text doesn't imply that. Um, and that is that is actually what the one commentary I read about it said, was that he was going to get her back, not because so much that he cared, but really because he was just lonely. Uh, and, and that's why you could say he was kind of cavalier, um, uh, about just throwing her out. Uh, we don't, it wasn't, um, it, his mindset could have been, well, you were already doing this to me anyway, so here, and just threw her out. But what we don't understand and what we do not comprehend in our culture is the fact that um, that this man would be willing, the old man was willing to give up his own daughter uh, and then throw the concubine out. Okay, um, can we, and to understand that, you kind of got to talk about the culture, yes, then right. if somebody, if you had let somebody come into your home, yep. you were literally saying, not only are you here, but I will protect you from all Correct. Right. Evil. With my own life. With, yeah, with your own life. Yep. And that's something that I think it's called, wasn't it Doug that taught on the Threshold Covenant once? Right. Uh, that talks about that. Um, if you want to see a modern example of how that played out, go watch the movie Lone Survivor. Why did those men come to his rescue in that culture? Because there was a few men in that culture who still abided by this. And the fact that he was in that man's house, um, what was his name? Do you remember the guy's name? In, in, I don't. I know in, who you're talking about. But in the movie, um, he was in the man's house, and the man and many of the men of that town protected one of our soldiers against all of Taliban because of this mentality is still strong in that culture. That's right. He it, was in his home yep. and he wasn't turning him out to anybody. Correct. And that's the culture that you have to understand that was going on here. When we look at it and go, you've got to be kidding me. Yes, there was also in, in those cultures, women were looking at secondarily and um, uh, it would have been more shameful for a man to be ravaged like that than it would have been for a woman. That would have been the mentality that they had. Not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just telling you that's the mentality that they had. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, simply the fact the man just went out and said, "Get up," threw her on the donkey, and then carved her up, shows me that he really didn't care. And this was just a picture of showing how far gone. Uh, Marcus Luttrell. That's it. That's how far gone the children of Israel were in that land with no king, following the dictates of their own heart. Because being a Levite, he would have been the one who carved up the sacrifices. Right. And so one, if, if one believed that 
I think that well, I'll say it this way. If he was really concerned about her, then he would have got the word out to the tribes to say, look what happened in the area of Benjamin. Look at what the men of Benjamin, the tribe of Benjamin, have become. They tried to rape me to death. They raped her to death. I demand justice for her. But he didn't. He tried to do that by carving her up, but almost in a false righteous indignation is how I look at that. Not that he made it known because – uh, if he would have still been living according to Torah, he would have followed what Torah said, and he would have buried her before sundown. But he didn't. So he tried to—I I think what he was doing there was, was being falsely uh, in, hypocritical and in, in, in falsely um, proclaiming some righteous indignation, and that's why he did that. And the people responded uh, in the sense of, we've never seen anything in all of Israel that would happen like this, that a man would carve up a woman like this. And it was his way of going, now that i got your attention, right. let me show you what these guys are like. Yeah. And it would almost be like if somebody was to, if a baby died, and then they carved up that baby and they sent it to the 50th capitals in, in America. Uh, and then the people would come out and go, how horrible is this? Well, then we, in a right righteous indignation, would go, this happens every day in your abortion clinics. Right, right. So, Though one could not do that, like I could not do that. No. If I was trying to get the point across, they that, put you in jail. Correct. If I was trying to get the point across that we need to look at the horrificness that's happening in the abortion clinics by carving, you're missing the point. You're not really being righteously. You have just desecrated a body. Right. So this, just because it was recorded this way, doesn't mean it was a condoned event. This was a man who was not fully walking according to God. Just because he was a Levite, I'm not even sure that he. I couldn't find a direct reference, but it doesn't forbid concubines to them, but they were supposed to be married to um, um, one of their own tribes. Right. They're supposed to be married to to a Levite. Correct. And she was of the tribe of Judah. Okay. So let me ask this question. We're always supposed to take something away from scripture Mm -hmm. to apply to our own lives. So what are we supposed, how, how, what is the application of the story? That, 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 that story is there for a reason. Yeah. Well, it and I think what it also records is, uh, because it being a, a literal true event, I think God used this to also bring judgment because what happened was <clears throat> the tribes did rally, and they right. did go to Benjamin, and they did have a war, and I think it was 40,000 of the children of Israel died in this battle uh, to kind of make the point of exactly how immoral the, the nation of Israel had become so quickly after Joshua's death. And then so this concludes the book of Joshua of Judges, but then begins to roll us into First um, Samuel, and then we start setting the stage for the coming of Saul, the coming of David. So it was this, I would call it um, an intermittent period where there was complete anarchy between Joshua and then the beginning of David and the kings. Yeah. Uh, that's, about, that's about how I would see that in there. Yeah, and one of the other things we have to remember is at this time, well, while we think of the, quote, nation of Israel, end quote, um, at that time, uh, even the land had been divided based on tribes. And the right. nation of Israel, quote, unquote, was very tribal. Uh, if you had a problem in Judah, that was not necessarily Benjamin's problem. Uh, if you had a problem, uh, it, well, I started saying the Levites, but they're dispersed among the people. The, the point being that um, they were not united as a single kingdom uh, right. at this time. Uh, you didn't have you didn't have uh, the judges running around at this point. You didn't have a king yet, um, so there there's no one to bring them together. And and part of there are a couple of of commentators out there who say part of what it was did is if he had just 
send a letter saying, hey, look, uh, these people have done evil. Um, Gibeah was a a fairly, um, think of them as special forces, if you will, the, the strongest of the fighters um, uh, within the, the Benjamin, uh, within the uh, um Within the Benjamites, they lived there. So uh, that'd be like me trying to gather up my neighborhood bullies to go take on, um, you know, a Navy SEAL down the road. This this is not something that most people would just go, ah, thanks for the offer, but no right. thanks. Uh, we understand they're doing evil, but we're not going to be the ones to put it on the line to go down there and try to straighten it out. And he needed, he was looking for shock value. Now, I'm the exact same opinion as Steve here. Um the shock value he found was absolutely in violation of Torah. This is not the way this should have been done. But he had to do something uh, way over the top to force them to go, okay, no, 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 we got to do something. Um, we have to do something about the evil that was done here. And, of course, their initial outrage is at him. And then he goes, well, I did this because of right. what they did. So he, he pulled this really fast in, in human arrogance and in, in human guile. Uh, he he makes them very angry, and when they come to find out why he did this, he points them at somebody else and says, "Go take it out on them." It's almost like so. he said, "I almost got raped," and oh, by the way, they they raped my concubine. Right. You right. know, it was not really about her and what happened to her. Right. It was all it was all about him and him using human guile um, in order to get vengeance, essentially um, something that did not belong to him. Because if he really was concerned, if it was when he went to her father's house and spoke softly to her, as the word says, to try and get her to come back. I'm not sure. I'm not sure he would have responded the way by throwing her out. Um, he probably would have been okay with the man's daughter being thrown out, but if he would have still fallen into that um, cultural paradigm where he would have thrown her out, then he would have been distraught by her. What had happened right. to her? Mm-hmm. And he would have just walked outside and said, "Get up and let's get on the road." Right. Um, you it, know, it it that's essentially what he response. does. He comes outside and says, get up and get on right. the donkey, and she doesn't move. I mean, he doesn't right. even check on her to see if she's okay. He tells her to get up, and when she does it, then he goes and checks on her. So <laughs> the story just shows how fast Israel got away from following yeah. the law of Moses. Yeah, because Joshua was pretty close to Moses, yep. was he not? <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, right seriously, there, so, I mean, yeah. we're talking about uh, a man who was not afraid Correct. to do what God had directed the children of Israel to do, which was go out and take that land right. that I've got for you. He was the one who came back and said, let's go get it. That's right. And right. everybody else said, oh, these, there's giants these and everything. that did all of this would have been the children of those who came into the promised land. Right. It was pretty right. close. That's yep. how fast Children and grandchildren, yep. yep. They got fat, dumb, and happy. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, you mentioned in something from God in our nation. Look, in a generation, look what's happened yeah. yes. here in this nation. Well, I or go from, go from our grandparents to us um, and talk about two generations. And our grandparents literally would not recognize this country. Forget the technology and stuff, just the, the, moral, the way people think. Right. The, and and I think, moral I think they'd whoop us for allowing um, it to happen. Yeah, <laughs> they might. My mom and dad yeah. might have done that. Yeah. My grandfather would have. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. All right, let's get a break in. we got to do that. I hope that sheds some light on this. That's a tough piece of scripture yeah, right there, is, yeah. especially tough if you're trying to understand it from Western thought yeah. because it's Eastern thought we're talking about. We'll mm-hmm. take a break. 101.1 FM, The Answer. This is the home of Rush Limbaugh. It's Tuesday. It's in the 5 o'clock hour. That means the Bible guys are here. Steve Hess is here. Billy Miller's here. They're answering your questions. If you have one, send it to Dave at SalemLR.com or call 501-823-0965, and they'll do their best to give you an answer. They might ask 
beg off and ask, well, let, give us a week to, to study like they did on judges just uh, that you heard just a moment ago. But they'll come back, and they don't turn down any questions. Nope. I'm just telling you that. All right, we had someone ask us that they had a loved one in their family that they've been praying for. Uh, from what I could tell, they didn't want to say it this way, but it was for salvation, yep. and like it that. hasn't happened yet. And uh, how long? And it's been a long time. How long should you keep praying? Was the question. Yeah, and whether or not it was the will of God. Yes. Um, so. Um, I will tell you that it's one of those it's one of those things I always point people to kind of as a um, knee-jerk reaction to what is the will of God because there's a very clear verse that says the will of God is this, that none should be lost. So if you're praying for salvation, the answer is until you take your last breath. Yep. Um, do not cease praying. Uh, now, you can't make that decision for them, so you have to be prepared for some heartbreak. Um, you have to be prepared that um, they meet their maker uh, in a condition that you would prefer they did not meet their maker. But pray without ceasing. Pray till you draw your last breath if we're talking about salvation. If we're talking about behaviors that you don't like, that can be a whole different thing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, because we don't know, well, what are you measuring that? Because one of the statements that said that uh, I'm not saying that there has been no change, just not the total change that I'm after. Yeah, right? there you go. And so I'm Maybe always, what you're wanting right? what God wants. Correct. And so... Um, you always have to caveat that with, does it line up with the Word of God? And it is something that is clear in the Word of God. Um, I've dealt with people who have had um, husbands. They say, well, they haven't changed. They haven't changed. They've been this way for 20 years. And I always go, well, isn't that the man you married? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of one of those things that you go, well, who changed and who's different in, in, in the relationship? So, again, if you're wanting them to change for something that you're desiring, you need to make sure that that desire lines up with the Word of God. And if it's a behavior thing, then obviously uh, that's one thing. If it's the wanting them to come to a position that you see, that you believe, or a church that you want them to attend or something else, again, you got to make sure that it's, it's according uh, to the Word of God. But I agree with Billy. you just got to keep praying and keep praying. Now, um, don't over um uh I would say, how do fixate I say it? yeah on the event to where you don't want to limit your expectation but there's some point where people can pray so much and expect so much and believe that this is going to happen so much right, right. that they can eventually wear themselves out and lose hope so you keep praying about it and you keep praying about it and you keep praying about it but ultimately realize they have to make their own choice all right we're out of time for this segment we'll come back after the news it's 101.1 FM, uh, The Answer, the home of the Rush Limbaugh program. Back in a moment. Well, welcome back. Your radio is not shifted gears on you. It did not change <laughs> stations on you. This is still the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, Dave got up and ran away. No, he, he stepped out. Uh, he's on his way back. But this is Steve with the Bible Guys and Billy with the Bible Guys. Yes. And we will go ahead and jump into the next question that we have. All right. What was our next question? And it said, why did Jesus or Yeshua need to pray? If he and the Father are one, and when you have seen him, you have seen the Father, right. why would Jesus need to pray? Uh, I get the example. If Jesus prayed, how much more should we be praying? But if that is it, or is there more to the story? Um, I think there's more to the story here, um, and I think 
particularly those of us who find ourselves in the oneness camp, uh, we can sometimes lose track of the humanity of Jesus. Uh, You must remember that not only is he 100% God, but he is also 100% flesh. Uh, And in that flesh, he experienced all the same. Scripture says he he experienced everything we experienced. That's right. He was tempted like we were. Yeah, he he got hungry. He got sleepy. He got tired. He got so tired that he was able to sleep in the bottom of a boat during what is basically a hurricane. So um, he had those... Uh, fleshly needs, and he had those uh, fleshly uh, temptations. So um, in the flesh, his flesh needed that prayer time. Needed that connection with God. Absolutely. Yep, yep. absolutely. All right. Can't, can't really add any more to that. So that's why Jesus prayed to God, yep. right? Correct. Yep, yep, yep. All right. So I, I knew that was a good question. And I have been asked on occasion when someone want to challenge uh, my, my oneness position, so you really think Jesus was just praying to himself? And the answer is, well, Yes. It's it's a little more complicated than that, but yes, um, he is 100% God, and therefore that that spirit that exists out there, that is him. I just Um, don't think that's something that we can ever articulate, whether how how the Trinitarian manifestation of the oneness of God, I I I just don't think we'll get it until we get to the other side. Yeah, I was trying to think of who it was, Um, uh, our our favorite... um, our favorite Jewish commentator who's on every day in line of fire, help me out. Oh, Dr. Brown. Dr. Brown. I think it was Dr. Brown who said um, that God is um, complex in his unity. And I think that is perhaps the uh, most powerful way I've heard of explaining mm-hmm. that. It, it's not that. It's not that God hasn't manifested himself in lots of ways. Uh, it's not that he's a bunch of different entities out there. It is that he is very complex, and of course, on a scale that our minds can't even fathom, right. he is complex in that unity. And, and I think that's a, a brilliant. Yeah, see, way that's to the main that. problem man has. Man thinks that he is God, and mm-hmm. so he thinks he understands everything. everything. Yeah. And because of that, if we can't explain it, it must be false. That's right. That's, that's right. right. That's a very uh, good we point. live in a made-up world. Uh, we live in a world of imagination, uh, and when you begin to believe that the imaginary world is the real world which is what those who deny God have done. When you believe, begin to believe that the imaginary world is the real world, you end up with some really crazy ideas. And we forget where we fit into yeah. Absolutely. the real world, Absolutely. which is a spiritual world right. and not a physical world. Yep. Yeah, it has been said that life is nothing more than an 80-year training course for eternity. <laughs> when you think of it good. that I way, like that. you go, hey, look, um, Makes sense. it's really a, really a pretty short training session, and I should probably learn all that I can about the real world, yep. about the world that is to come. Amen. Okay. Got a good one for you guys. You're going to like this one. This came in just a few moments ago. I was wondering what the Bible guy's view is on God giving us dreams today. Do they believe God still speaks in that way? And if so, how do we know when we have a, quote, God dream? Mm. Is there a way that we are to go about interpreting our dreams? And if so, who would one go to for such a problem? Help. Where are the Daniels when you need them? Right. <laughs> well, um, there are people um, that do have a gift in that department, um, but then there are many. I've only had a handful of dreams that, uh, on a personal note, that I've actually believed that they were God giving me something, showing me something, or, or causing me to head down a certain uh, course in my life. Right. But absolutely, I still believe um, that God's dream, God gives us dreams and visions and all of those aspects of the gifts. Uh, personally, I don't know anybody off the top of my head that walks in that gift like a Daniel would. 
but well, I mean, we have to remember that over the course of Daniel's life, um, we've only got a handful of incidents. It's not like he was dreaming right. every night and jumping up and writing something down. Um, right. It's a a very. It's kind of like when we we talk about uh, the Gospels and the in reality. Um, that's only a half a dozen days or a dozen days in the life of Jesus or the book of Acts, which is only something like 30, whatever it is, 29 days or whatever it is. So um, I I absolutely believe Scripture says, and I'll often reverse these, so I apologize if I do that, but that our young men will see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Mm, that's it. So if you're so, having dreams, you're old. Yeah, well, um, so. Just yeah. kidding. Feel that I, I have often I have often said really the only difference between those two is whether or not you can stay awake, right? So right. it's just a vision when you have been asleep. So, yes, we absolutely believe um, that we live in a day and age when those um, those gifts are operating among us. Um, my personal opinion on dreams and visions is they fall under. Uh, there, there are nine distinct gifts uh, of the Holy Spirit when it comes to. Um, what we would typically think of as miracles, the knowledge and wisdom and prophecy. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll Healings, blow it. Healings. Tongues. One of them is flat out miracles. Yeah. Tongues and interpretation, discernment of spirits, and I missed one. But I think those fall under the uh, the gifts of uh, knowledge and wisdom. Mm-hmm. I think it's the way they operate, at one or the other, depending on the nature and character of the dream. Uh, as for determining whether or not that dream is from God, once you have had a dream that is obviously given from God, you probably won't have to ask that question again. I would agree. Um, it is one of those things where you wake up and go, that was not me. Right. Now, if you are having some questions, the first thing you can do is take and write down, and I always encourage you to do that, write down everything. The, the moment you get up, write it down. Uh, if you think you've had a, an encounter with the Almighty, write it down, and then start looking at Scripture. If there is anything in that dream that disagrees with Scripture, you can throw it out as having had too much pizza the night before. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is God will never contradict what he has already done. God right. cannot lie. Therefore, uh, something that he tells you privately will never uh, violate what he has stated publicly. It's just not the way God uh, works. I would agree. And where I'm at, at out of agape is actually the result of a dream. Yep. And a pretty powerful dream a few years really? ago. Really? Yeah. Yes. And So and, tell. Okay. Um, so in the dream, I was um, in a... Uh, in a meeting with Pastor Scott and some of the other people at, at Agape. And this we were having some meetings uh, out at Agape at that time. And in this dream, um, I felt like there was a season. Uh, I was walking out, and I saw um, the, what was now the front entry of their building. And, um, um, and as I was walking, I looked down, and I, my shoes were untied, and there were two men that were standing behind me that were telling, that were talking about. They weren't telling me, but they were talking about how my shoes were untied. And I kind of thought that was strange. It's a little strange. Yeah, yeah, that they didn't tell me this. And so then I looked up and I look out this big plate glass uh, window, which actually is now how the front of their building is set up. It wasn't like that at the time I had the dream. Um, and um, and I just said to myself, why didn't they tell me my, my shoes were untied? So right. anyway, I look up and I see this and I just felt this overwhelming sense that the presence of God was just outside that window. Um, and when I woke up, how I viewed that, was that there was a season of time in which I needed to go uh, tie up some loose ends, and but that eventually I would be back out, uh, out there, and that's what led me out to be out part of the institute. Because what happened cool. was, is uh, about a year and a half after I had that dream, I was out there on a Sunday morning, uh, worshiping. I came up out of the sanctuary and I looked, and they had just changed the entire front of the building and got rid of the old doors and, and all the new. Um, uh, doors were all clear and it all looked like the image I had in my dream. And when I came up and I looked up and I saw it, I went, Oh, 
That looks just like my dream. There it is. And then and then all of a sudden I just had a quicken in my spirit that just said it's time. And it's the same way. That's if we remember Scott has talked about the dream that he had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. About what he's doing in his life. Now, That's right. Which I, I will have him repeat it when he's back. With I w- and us I again. would agree with what Billy said in the sense that when you have it, you will know. Yeah. If you wake up and go, that was weird, then probably not. Uh, but, and I will also say the ones that I've had that God was showing me or teaching me some, they were clear, they were vivid, and I yeah. have not forgotten them. Yeah. And I think you will never forget them. Yeah. They are different in character, um, yeah. from a dream, you know, a dream tends to be kind of all over the place and things, you know, reality bends pretty weird. Whereas, um, uh, God given dreams, uh, tend to be pretty on point yeah. and, and, uh, vivid because obviously when you wake up god still wants you to know what what was going on there yep. um if, if it was something easy to dismiss and and forget about um then it wouldn't have accomplished the goal um i i i walk with the brother sitting to my left here um because of a dream as well not long after we met and i think we've talked about the fact that i had a dream where um god showed me walking hip to hip within and literally in the dream we were like pushed hip to hip walking uh, side by side down this road um and, and I, I don't know there was no this is for a season or this is forever or whatever it was it was just this um very clear calling that i was to to step to his side and help with whatever he was working on so uh, part of the reason i have so firmly attached myself to the man beside me is because god called me to do that at a time uh, at a time when i i think i'd probably met you two or three weeks before so that was a little odd yeah. for god to uh to, but when God speaks, I mean, what are you going to do? I, I don't care if I've known you 20 years or two days. If God says, go help that man, then I'm going to go help that man. So there you go. Well, I've, I've shared with you guys a dream that I had, mm-hmm. and it, and I call it a, a vision because it was pretty, it was intense. And then I woke up, and then I knew exactly, yeah. yep. you know, what I was going to be asked to do, and it, it's a big deal. And... um I went and talked to Rick Bazette and uh, asked him about it. And he, because I was asking about, well, how am, how am I supposed to, you know, how do you ask God how to, how to get this done? Because it's not like it's a, a small deal. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and he said, if God gave you the vision, he'll give you the provision. Yep. And he said, just pray about it. And I have for two years. Yeah. Sooner or later, I, I figure something, you know what? It may not happen in my lifetime. Maybe it's yeah. somebody in my family that's going to do Joseph's, it. Joseph's, the, the, famous, the famous starting of dreams, Joseph's dream was 13 years in its making. Yeah. Uh, the word prophesied to Abraham took 25 years in its making. And because we live in the microwave age, we expect it in a year and a half. Well, you know, I look at my age and I think, oh, I can't wait 16 or years or whatever, right? Right. But, you know, God has control of that. Yeah, I forget about that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Forget about that. I, I tell people, as long as uh, I'm a man of God, in the will of God, doing the work of God, I'm invincible. It, it doesn't that's matter. That's true. Uh, is, until God says, that's your last breath, uh, until he says you're, he's done with me. You're still invincible. What's, yeah, what's he going to do? It's not do, like you know? you're going to yeah. die. This is true. This is true. My soul is always immortal, but... Um, my body, it won't perish until he's done with me. So yeah. I'm not really messed up about it. You know, people that aren't you afraid of going into a maximum security prison? No, no, because God said, go to a maximum security prison. If he sent me there, he's going to take care of me while I'm there. I had so. someone ask me, aren't you afraid to die? And I said, no. And they said, why? And I said, because I'm just going to step over. Yeah. yeah. 
It's not like it's a big deal. One of my favorite, uh, understand that I've been to about, I think I'm up to 33 funerals in the last 24 months. Wow. One of my favorite phrases to hear a pastor say at a funeral is having received their reward or reward. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that's what it is for me. I mean, you know, to die is gain. Now, I'm going to so, tell you this guy something. I got kind of a dip, maybe a different view that a lot of people have about going to heaven. I think when I die and I step through the veil, I'm going to see you on the other side. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. Because time yeah. stops yep. at yep. that point. Yep. It has it's no beginning, no end. Uh, you'll be there waiting for me. I had that debate with someone that we were talking about the resurrection. I said you're looking at everything in the, through the lens of time. Right. And I said that I said and I said it to him like this. Uh, I said, you're already there. Mm-hmm. You just haven't caught up with your consciousness. Yet. That's right. true. Right. I, th- yeah. I think you're right on. Paul yeah. kind of alluded to that, I think, in Galatians, as he talks about it, you know, about heavenly things that he experienced. Yeah. He was in heaven. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, one of those things, um, people will say, well, 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 but the, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And I'm not sure that the proper interpretation, interpretation of that is, is not to be absent from the body is the moment you're resurrected and on your way to Jerusalem to take care of that final battle with the Lord. I'm not sure that being present with the Lord isn't because you've been pulled out of time and suddenly you arrive at that moment. Uh, I'm, I'm very much of the opinion that we will all arrive at the exact same moment as far as moments are concerned because moments, just like we talked about this world being made up, so is time. Mm-hmm. Time is just a conjuration of the Lord, if you will. Yep. Well, time as we know it, was made by man. Yeah. We decided how long a minute was and or how long a second was or how long a day or a month and yet we or all a year. A, yet well, we all agree that a week. kind of. There's some time. I mean, God gave us the, the yeah. evening and the morning. He gave well, us the, okay, the period 24 of time. 24 hours. Okay. Right. Yeah. We, now, we could have divided it into 52 segments or you yeah. know, whatever. And yet, and yet, universally, a week is seven days long. Right. I wonder that's, where that comes from. That's the one thing that I want to <laughs> tell people is why why has the enemy tried to keep us away from our Hebraic things? Why is yeah. the calendar set up in twelve months and seven days and all of that in the twenty four, which is the twelve and the twelve? And there's just so right. much of it that points to the Bible. And this, a lot of this, was established when God established time. all creation. Testifies. Seven, 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 seven. Everywhere you go, because God was trying to make a point. Boy, even the rocks proclaim that's right. Jesus is Lord. All yeah. right, well, let's take a break. We've got to get our final one in. We'll come back. Got a question, 8230965. we got nine minutes left. We'll have about six minutes to take a question. You call in and ask. We'll try to answer it, or the Bible guys will, on 101.1 FM, the answer, the home of Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> okay, back with you. we got a story that was on uh, the news story talking about uh, the Dead Sea and water going into it. Right. I'll let you guys pick up on it. You can talk a little bit about it. And did it fulfill prophecy? Right. So the video, um, there's an individual, and I don't know why the individual is out and recording, but the video that was, and I think it was Israel News Live. Um, I don't remember which where it came from, but... Um, there was a video of an individual standing on a road, and suddenly water comes rushing down out of the mountains and crosses the road, and it's flowing towards the Dead Sea. Um, and the course uh, clickbait sort of title was "Prophecies Fulfilled as uh, Greening of the Valley Begins" or something along those lines. Um, so, 
with that being what actually happened. Now, I will say that um, we're getting reports. They've had so much rain over there that it's actually helped dilute the Dead Sea Sump, and they have discovered some life um, suddenly in the dead, in a sea that is supposed to be incapable of hosting life. They've now started finding some life. I will tell you that when it dries back up and the salinity levels go back up, all that stuff's going to die again. Yeah. Uh, but does this fulfill Scripture? What does um, Scripture have to say? Ezekiel, they're, they're making reference to Ezekiel 47. Uh, and it says, Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple towards the east, and from the temple... And it faced east, and the water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. And it goes all the way down, and it says it's going down to the valley, and, and it talks about moving um, down to this area in this valley, and when it reaches the sea, that the waters are healed. And so it's it's an idea that one day in the future, how we know this is not fulfilled because the description here in Isaiah, I'm sorry, Ezekiel 47 says Coming it was out, out of, of the, the temple. temple. <laughs> there is no temple. There's a heresy on the Temple Mount right now called the Dome of the Rock. So we know it's not fulfilled, but it is of interest that there is water flowing down that. I think, though, that we need to be cautious before people start putting up uh, yeah. captions that say prophecy fulfilled. But this scripture that they're referring to is talking about the day in which the waters, because there actually is a river that flows underneath the Temple Mount. This is part of where David snuck back up to get into the temple. This is where, um, I think, on the north side of the temple where the water flows to the Sheep Gate that and the water that naturally flowed that filled all the 48 mikvah that were our baptisms were on the south side of the temple. So there is an underwater uh, river that water flows source. through right. that temple area, and they're just saying that one day that when this temple is built, um, if it's going to be rebuilt, uh, will come out and flow and eventually heal even the Dead Sea, where it even goes on to say that the fishermen will return and fish to the sea. So. I'm not sure that it's something that should be taken yeah. literally as much as... Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. This could simply be poetic language. Um, the, the Spirit of God is often referred to as waters. Um, if you're talking about um, the temple that should be there, meaning Messiah is sitting there, uh, we could be talking about the, the Spirit of God flowing forth from that location um, as the enthroned and uh, empowered Messiah is sitting on his throne in Jerusalem, flowing out to the nations. Uh, a, a reference to those things being dead because the nations from from a point of 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 Jew Gentile is death right so mm-hmm. um, the the spirit of God flowing out into the whole world into the valley uh, of death that is everything except the Jewish nation so don't it get could be me wrong language. I believe we're living in prophetic times Absolutely. but at the same time if we're so haphazardly saying things like this we will diminish when the real things begin to happen right and I think that's one of the so we're seeing more and more. You have to understand we live in a very commercial world, right? And I, I referred to it as a clickbait title because I, my personal opinion is that's exactly what it was. It was a, a an attempt to get Christians to click on that. When and, you say prophecy fulfilled, right. I'll guarantee you a lot of Christians say what click prophecy. Now, yeah. when you go look at the original page, there's about 42 ads on that page as well. And they're getting mm-hmm. paid 42 times for every person who comes and looks at that article. So mm-hmm. we have to be careful uh, in reality, unless we're talking about real prophecy fulfilled, you are doing a disservice to yourself and to God yep. by claiming that sort of thing, and you're desensitizing people uh, when to real things right, when, when they begin to when happen. Steve or I or Pastor Scott or somebody else stands up and goes, "I am telling you, based on Scripture, I am 100% convinced that this prophecy has been fulfilled." You'd be like, "Yeah, you mean just like all those guys who posted stuff on the internet mm-hmm. saying it was fulfilled?" Um, no, because I don't make those sorts of statements. That's um, right. So I, yeah. I think it's a I think it's a bit of a clickbaity thing. Yep. All right. Well, we're done until next week, guys. Wow. Next.
Fast All right, don't forget, get your questions here. Bible guys at Salem, S A L E M L R dot com. Billy, thank you. Steve, thank yes, you. Sir. Hopefully, yes, next week, Scott will join us again here on the Bible Guys. Until then, you have a great evening. I'll see you again tomorrow at 2 o'clock.